afford to be here. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. And I'm Alexi Lawless. You're, you're at that mode now where you just introduce yourself, Alexi. It's just, I, have, I tried to do the calculation. This has got to be four, maybe? The fourth time? I think four. My fourth appearance? Yeah. So thank you so much for, for having me back. Well, thank you, <laughs> because times. look, you're the guy that's got the crazy schedule. So. Eh, I don't know about that. I was home, uh, I was home back in Pennsylvania in June. And I, uh, I was meeting some high school friends, walked into a local bar, they had a giant TV on, and I walk in, and right there, there you are. I'm sorry about You're that. You're right there. In like, high hey. definition, too. I'll bet you can see everything. Hey, right. there he is. Right. He's in my hometown. Yeah, I travel a lot. I travel a lot, but I love it. I, I continue to scream and yell about soccer, any place that a ball is being kicked, mm-hmm. uh, and all along continuing to do the music, which is why uh, I love coming on here and doing these types of things. And speaking of doing the music, you released an album last year, 2018. I did. And then you had a creative spurt because you released another one in 2019. That's unheard of. Well, you, you remember that whole 70s era where yeah. I, uh, nine months was a lot between yeah. albums. Album so tour, I'm album to, I'm tour. Trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to relive that. Where's know? the tour? Uh, there, there's, no, there's no tour. We're getting the albums. I'm just, yeah, I'm a, I'm a studio rat, I guess, and just continue to release stuff. So we'll see. And uh, I was, I was, and you sent it to me and Suzanne early because yep. yep. you said this is for the two people that will actually listen. Right. Well, I have, well, three, you but I'm three. It's two and a half I'm with my mother. So okay. uh, she, I don't know if she'll listen, but she'll at least say, oh, that's nice. But that's a fun treat when that gets dropped in your, uh, that's in cool. your email. I love to do it uh, for, for those that, uh, that, that haven't listened before. Um, I, I was a soccer player for mm-hmm. a long time, and now I talk about soccer on yeah. Fox Sports. Yes. Uh, but I have been doing music since before I was kicking the ball and continue to do it now after and, and uh, it's a huge part of my life uh, I continue to write and to uh, to record and put out albums like you said so and we're gonna I'm gonna tease a couple of songs here I got nice. three queued up I want to ask you this though about the soccer stuff mm-hmm. now you uh you're you're a, every time I've met you super nice guy I tell people all the time they go what's Alexi Lawless I go I'm super nice what do you want me to say? He's really nice. But it seems like... Do they ask you with, a, with an idea of something different, or are they just curious in general? Because They ask people, anyone that, anyone that I get to meet <laughs> that someone else might not have a, the pleasure of meeting, right. they always ask. Okay. So, but um, but it, it seems to me, and I'm not a big sports guy, but um, are you a divisive figure in the, in the soccer, uh, uh, what do I want to say, commentary field? Uh, is that even a thing? <laughs> my my job is to give my opinion. My job is okay. not to give an opinion that you necessarily agree with. Gotcha. Uh, and that's what I think makes anybody on television mm-hmm. in, a, in a punditry type of uh, capacity good. And so when I say things, um, as I said, I, I have a responsibility. I, I, I like to think to be both informative mm-hmm. and entertaining. And just because you say something doesn't necessarily make it entertaining. And just because you're entertaining doesn't right. necessarily make it informative. But the way that you say something mm-hmm. is as important as what you say. I mean, ultimately, it's a, it's a performance, and you understand that. Right, so. but you're also saying things that you, that you believe and that you're true to. You just yeah. wouldn't go off the cuff just to, no, just to I'm, cause I'm not a controversy. Something, I'm not saying I don't enjoy riling sure, people Sure, sure, I do too. I like it. <laughs> but I don't say something 
just to, uh, you know, just to get a rise out of right, people right. if I don't truly believe in right. it. Now, having said that, uh, you know, I grew up debating and I grew up being forced in my household and, and the way that I grew up being forced to take different sides and being forced to argue different sides. And so I can yeah. see multiple sides of an argument. And so if I'm taking one side, I will be able to argue. It doesn't mean that I can't also put myself in the shoes on the other side. Right. Because I think the other day there was a tweet where someone asked you, do people like uh, yell at you? Uh, and you said on a daily basis, <laughs> yes. adults and children or yes. something they, like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. This was, this was just on Twitter. So, But just in, in my general life, uh, it has come to be. Look, I mean, I, when I was a player, yeah. I, I was... You said, uh, I don't know what the word you used, but uh, it's, I guess it's more... more divisive? Of a, I don't know if it's I, divisive. Maybe it's more polarizing. Polarizing, in that okay. It's, it spreads people out and you have different sides and sure. there's very few There's very few in the middle. But you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, I'll be walking down the street and someone will, will, will say something and <laughs> they just want to be acknowledged and they want, <laughs> they want to get their opinion and their side right. out when and they're talking about... Do you acknowledge them back? Yeah, absolutely. You just, absolutely. What's the, what's, the, what's the worst thing someone ever said to you in public? Oh, I've had... Well, first off, the, the amount... And, and different types of people that have come up. I have had girlfriends, boyfriends, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandfathers, grandfathers, uh, grandmothers, everybody within a family, because inevitably you will say something about sure. a, a player. At times it can be critical and, and maybe even negative. Uh, no, often, <laughs> often negative, and they will find you, and they just want to be heard. They just want to. They just want to get it off of their chest. Mm-hmm. Then there's the actual strangers that will scream out of a window and then drive on, or when you're walking down the streets. But but for the most part, everybody's respectful. They might say, "I don't agree necessarily with most of the things you say, but I love yeah. the fact that uh, that you are saying it and you get me to think and and all that." Because and then there's every once in a while it's. You suck, and you are the uh, antichrist, and you are what's wrong with soccer slash the world today. And, then, so. and you just laugh about things I, like that. How can you not? I do. And when someone just yells, "You suck!" I, I mean, I, how can I do? I, I say namaste. I you know, and I say um, it's going to be okay. And uh, go and, back to your and your good. couch. It's all good. I uh, I watched this show, Comedians in Cars Getting sure. Coffee, and sure. there's an episode with Zach Galifianakis where they're driving and. I think a couple of people yelled at Jerry and Jerry just say, hey. and Zach's like, do you like that? And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. And he's like, yeah, but do you like it? He goes, no, I don't mind it. He's like, just think what the flip side of it is. That's true. <laughs> no one. No, no look, one. It, it, and, and you know, I'm, I don't want to make it seem like people are, are screaming, no, yelling I, me no, everywhere I, I go. Right, right, right. And I think I've, I've told you this not, before. I, 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 I didn't mean yeah. to infer mm-hmm. that they are. No, but look, if the, if the worst thing in your life is that people come up and want to <laughs> right. hang out and talk about soccer right, right. and get a picture or sign yeah. an autograph. There's worse things, I, definitely. You live a charmed life, and I live yeah. an incredibly, incredibly charmed life. And Whether people agree or disagree with you. And you're on TV, so people know you. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's a nice thing. I've, I've achieved a level of fame, I guess, that's, that's workable mm-hmm. and, and livable and manageable yeah. within life where it's not intrusive or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, I am in the very, very small minority of people that get to do what they love to do on yeah, a consistent and like basis. And yeah. I'm incredibly privileged. And from time to time, when you get home or when you get behind the microphone, you get to, uh, you, you have, you still have your podcast. I correctly? do. State of the Union podcast out each and every week. So, when do you uh, find time to do that? Do you just record it anywhere? Uh, sometimes when I'm on the road, I have the ability to do it on mm-hmm. the road. And otherwise we do it in the, uh, in the Fox digital studios over in uh, Playa here in oh, uh, Los perfect. Angeles. Perfect. Yeah, so is it, is it as nice of a setup as this is right here? No, this is much, <laughs> much cleaner. Uh, much oh, okay. Cleaner. Well, yes. that's good to know. Yes. All right. So look at you, look at you, not look at yep. you now. 
the first song I'm going to play is Look at You Now, right. but the album's called Look at You. Right. And it's like, who drew the, the photo? Or did, was that a there's, film? A, there's an artist friend of mine uh, who uh, lives in Manhattan Beach uh, named Terry Davis, if you get a chance to check out his art. Uh, and I went to him, and he's done a bunch of the covers that I've done. Mm-hmm. And so I took a, a picture and a concept that I wanted, and I had him arted up, I guess. It's basically you taking a selfie It is. Yourself. It's a selfie, and there was you know this whole uh, concept. It's not a concept album, but it's just a concept of the the amount of time that we spend obviously looking into our devices and yeah. you with kids and yeah. you with kids we know it's even worse for or better depending on how you look at it yeah. for the, the next generation and how much of it is are we looking at ourselves are we looking at others are, are others looking at us through how we're looking at ourselves all right. of that kind of stuff so not to get too in the weeds or arty about it because it's just a straight pop rock type of uh, album but that's what the uh, yeah and i like uh, and the album covers the cool. cover is cool. it? It's very cool. Yeah, I think it's a cool. Album well, I, I don't know if Kyle's seen it because he is the arbiter. <laughs> well, he's the arbiter, evidently, of album cover uh, cool. I, so. I, I won't. I won't. I don't know what uh, Kyle would think of it. But there's, he, there's nothing more devastating uh, than when I'm <laughs> listening to your podcast, which I which I do uh, religiously, and and it's it's amazing to sit here each and every time and to to look at you and and then to because I I, I equate all <laughs> these ridiculous. different things with with running because I run I yeah. run so much in podcasts or what I listen to, and so I'm listening to your podcast and I equate different moments in the podcast and different voices and, and characters in uh-huh. the podcast with places, uh, places that, uh, that I've been, but you know, Kyle and, and obviously his, uh, his, uh, his incredibly scientific approach to what <laughs> is a good album cover is always makes me laugh. And I like when the, when the critique is literally, uh, this is a mess. <laughs> like, if he, if he mentions Photoshop, then you know, you're already you done. Know you're, done. <laughs> you're already done. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I like the album cover very much. I Thank think it's you. cool. Uh, the guy's name that did it Terry was, Davis. Terry Davis. Yep. He probably has a website. He has we a website. He's, in, he's, a, he's an artist down in Manhattan Beach. So, All right. Here we go. We are going to listen to... Uh, I got three tracks queued up. Wow. The first one okay. is uh, Look At You Now. Here we go. Out alone, walking the edge of life, balancing the thrill and the fear. You come along, a new direction. Tell me things I don't want to hear. Is this a, is this whole album an Alexi Lawless joint? Like, is, is that you on drums and background vocals? Is that all you? Uh, for the most part, it's me, and uh, I have a uh, a friend of mine that does uh, that does drums. One of the things I don't do is, is drums. I can keep a beat, and I know I probably ask you yeah. that every time you're on, but that's okay. Who's the dr- let's give him a shout out? The drum Liff, guy. yeah, Liff Stefan Liftowski, yeah. Okay, and yeah. his nickname's Liff. Yeah, I call him Liff. All right. <laughs> I love that song. I love. I love it. You. You always kick it off just the right way. I try. I try. All albums uh, should. Well, whenever I mean, yeah. there's not a good opening it, track, you're just like, oh, what the heck? But here, so the question is now, uh, what are albums and should albums even matter? Because we're all listening mm-hmm. to singles, yeah. except for the fact when you do put out what is an album, a collection of songs, yeah. inevitably people will click on that first song. So there's still an emphasis and a reliance on, maybe even more so now, yeah. because when, when it was uh, back in vinyl or, or you would fast forward or yeah. you just click it to the next groove there, I know I'm talking you know, crazy <laughs> words here that most, most of your audience may not understand, but 
nowadays, because you pull up the screen on Spotify or whatever it ends up being, and you're going to click automatically on the first one. And so if you don't hook them in on that first one, they'll they'll move on to a million other things. Yeah. And I remember reading once that when, once CDs came, came out and like new, like a new release was going to be released on album, cassette and CD, the sequencing, they would tend to front load it because you would put the disc in and then you might, every time you got in the car, you just might start it from the beginning again. So they would front load it. When I look at albums that I love and I see where some massive hits occur, it always mm-hmm. is strange to me when they're so far down the line. And, and then obviously, once again, with vinyl, yeah. it was on the second side or was, you know, where, right. where, where they ended up being. So, yeah, I mean, for, for what we're doing right now, you got you to, gotta, if you have something that you think hits and starts off an album that frames what's, what's to come, you do that. All right, let's go to another track. Oh, wow. This is called... Really? People can fast forward through this, right? They can. Uh, they, they can, can fast <laughs> forward through anything. Always. <laughs> they can. They have the capability. They can. They can. Uh, it goes so fast. Okay. It goes so fast when you want to go fast when you want to go slower. It goes so fast when you want to go fast when you want to slow down. Yeah, it goes so fast when you're trying to keep up, pushing you back, and it's never enough. It's so fast. Does go fast. It does go fast. <laughs> yes, it's a comment on I don't know everything, life or traffic, whatever. How uh, how old are the children <laughs> right now? Your kids? I have a fourteen year old daughter and an eleven year old boy. Okay, I have a fourteen year old daughter and a nineteen year old daughter. Uh, and they, what age can they get a phone? Does the eleven year old have a phone? Uh, no, 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 no. The fourteen year old got one for the first time last year. We That's held out pretty a, great. What, uh, it was uh, you held out a long time. Oh Good for God, you. It was difficult, uh, and we held out as long as we possibly could. <laughs> And finally, she got one um, and was appreciative. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you go through this where we can be grumpy and old and why is this happening and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But you don't want to do anything that's going to hurt them to function in a world that while we may not appreciate or like or want, right. Right. the reality is that this is what is happening. And so there, there was that balance and trying to figure that out. So. And it's, you know, it's a tough thing. Like, all the, well, all my friends had one. If all right. her friends had right. one. But it's not like when I was growing up and someone would have, there was like a, there was like a, some sneaker or jeans that everyone had to have. Like the phone, it does serve some practical uses too. It does. You can I mean, get, you can get in touch with each other. You yeah, know where she's at. That's, I mean, from a, you know, there's, there's a, there's a safety element to it yes. that, that, uh, that is, I think comforting to those of us that yeah, yeah. still have a problem with the, with the screen time and everything. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when computers came out originally, people, oh, they're taking away from the interaction of people right. and stuff like that. And yet our, our world is so based on computers. And once again, you yeah. can scream and yell from the rooftops. So you don't like yeah. it. But if this is what the new reality is, you want to give your kids, I'm sure, just like I want to give my kids every opportunity to be yeah. successful in a world. If I'm stunting them by not exposing them and having them <laughs> in a certain way be technologically feral kids right, exactly. it ends up being, then that could be a problem. So now uh, you've set the age now. 14 is when you get a phone. So is that when your son, he has to wait? Well, you know, the younger ones always uh, oh, benefit from the ones that came and blazed the path yeah. to begin with. And so he might get, so, it, yeah, er- he exactly. might get it earlier. He might get it earlier, yes. <sighs> I so, know. It's not it's, fair, but it, that's how it goes. We muddle through it, it as best we can. Okay, one more. You know what? I, I don't know that I picked... Um, uh, uh, songs that, that give a varied uh, 
taste of this album because I just I love just the just the fast. You like to rock. Yeah, okay. I like to rock. <laughs> These are like all treadmill type songs for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. So this one is just uh, just go away. Okay. You used to be a friend. You used to be a friend of mine. Mine, mine, mine. You used to call me out. You used to call me all the time. Time, time, time. Now everything has changed, and I don't see you anymore. And I can't take this pain, cause you're not walking through that door. Another great album. Thank you. Thank yeah, I don't you. know how you do it. I, I, I mean, you're talented. I, I well, guess that's how you do uh, it. D- depending on who you ask, but uh, <laughs> I, I like, I like, as you said, just straight ahead, you know, rock pop songs mm-hmm. that you can put in your car, crank up when you're working out, and you can crank it up. So uh, it's not necessarily breaking any new ground musically, but I, I am forever in search uh, of the perfect pop perfect song. Pop song. Yet, yet to find to find it, but you know, the search continues. By the way, do you know that Rat's coming to the Canyon Club? I do know. Yes, yes. Are, are you going to that? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so are we going to that? Are you going? You want to go? Of course. It's like eight miles oh, from my house. Uh, okay. I'm going to turn the air conditioner on. I don't think it's on. It's not? I don't think. Maybe that's why I'm sweating I profusely. <laughs> I just saw a little, a little one in your forehead. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, it's not. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a poor host. There we go. I thought this was, yeah, a technique. To get the best out. This won't be taken out. There, here, mop your sweaty head dry. Oh, my goodness. Like, I only only sweat if I'm really doing physical activity. Or if I'm out in the sun, like, doing yard work. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm on the treadmill. Like, I just, normally, I don't just, I don't just break into You have control of your... I don't uh, know what it is. I just don't. I don't know what... I'm not trying not to. It's just... Well, you're doing a great job is. of not sweating despite the heat in here. My so. wife always tells me, she goes, you're never sweaty. She goes, and you never stink. You never stink. I go, hmm. That's a good thing. I, that is I a good would thing. think that that would, you know, be a check, checked box. Yeah, that's why for our anniversary, I can just take her to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> or to Ikea. Or Ikea. <laughs> All right, so uh, topic today is the musical Foreigner. Yes. We were, we were going to do Bon Jovi, but then... I felt like Bon Jovi needed to be broken up into maybe some decades because there's so much. Yep. And Foreigner only has nine studio albums, right. so it's it's pretty doable. Right. And of those studio albums, well, we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> so if I list, if I'm going to lump some bands together, I'm, I'm going to name some, and you tell me where Foreigner would be for okay. you. And these are just this, this is that that label of corporate rock, which I don't like that label. Yeah. It just means, I, 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 I understand mean, where it comes from. They're okay, all but, corporate, no matter what he, they say. That's right. Okay, uh, Journey, mm-hmm. Foreigner, Sticks, Aria Speedwagon, Boston. Where would you? Where would Foreigner be out of those five? They would be third. Third. All right. Who would be first? Uh, I think Sticks for me would be first. Stand. I think Boston would be fourth. Aria would be fifth. So what am I? What am I missing? So second, Journey third. second. Journey would be second. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. But but those are that's I mean that's wheelhouse type for these yeah. these bands that 
Yeah, we just took five bands and put them in, you know, one to five. They're still top five. No, exactly. And they're, <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're, they're wonderful bands, but yeah. they're also, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, there are these bands that came along and we, we define everything by MTV, obviously. Yes, yes. And so the, the bands that had success before MTV to a certain level, yeah. and then to various degrees were able to transition and, and be in that new world of, yeah. of MTV. And uh, it's amazing to see how much, how, how, how much they were able to transition, how successful they they were, but to look at them in almost two different ways. So. Yeah, well, Foreigner never—they weren't really a big MTV band. They weren't, but they had to be. They had, yeah, they had and to when, make some videos. And sure. their biggest success ultimately was with with the song that had a video, and that's yeah. where because when I was when I was growing up, and you asked me, and the same way that a lot of these bands mm -hmm. before the whole MTV hit, if you asked me to name people in the band it was, or you show me pictures of them this is the you know this is the guitarist for right. foreigner you know i wouldn't know it no it, it, had it didn't to be, resemble, resemble no, something unless on the it was album. eddie van halen right. or right. someone gene simmons someone that was just bigger than the band yep. you know what i mean yep. and yeah. they didn't they didn't you know they weren't mainstays when it came to you know hit parader and, and right. cream and those types of things and they weren't they weren't cover you know pinup type of no of, no these are uh, meat and potatoes looking <laughs> rock star guys yeah. uh foreigner first album 1977 i think i counted foreigner has had 16 members oh with the in and out with the ins and, ins and outs, and outs. Yes, exactly. 16 members which is uh that's a lot that's but, a lot and if they if they hadn't been that type of band that was that was before big and then transitioned a little bit yeah. into MTV maybe they wouldn't have been able to do it as easily true or as much of they as they have been able to do it so the first album comes out 1977 it's a, it goes five times platinum yep. it's a huge success huge debut we have let me see if i can name them off the top of my head Lou Graham Mick Jones Ed Gagliardi on bass Dennis uh Elliot is that what his name is on drums i think it's Dennis Elliot and then Ian McDonald and oh, something I lost that one of them I can't name. <laughs> Greenwood. Al Greenwood? I'm looking it up now. I think that's it. I think that's the original six. All right. I'm pretty sure. If you say so. I think it is. <laughs> I was a kid that, here we go. Uh, yeah, it is. I was, a, I was a kid that would read the uh, liner notes, the liner notes yeah. and, and know who was the singer and who wasn't the singer, et cetera. But uh, this was produced by... Mick Jones, Ian McDonald, and then John Sinclair and Gary Lyons. And what's your first song off? One, it's, it's one of the best debut albums, right? The, of this ilk, don't you think? Uh, I think so, yeah. I, I mean, think, there's some know, songs I don't care for on here, but... But right off the bat, I mean, you are, you are coming out with... Uh, and you talked about opening songs of yeah. albums and stuff like that. So my, my first song is feels, uh, feels Like the First Time.
you can signal me when you want me to. Oh, really? Okay. When you want me to. Otherwise, we'll be here down. all night. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful way to open up an album. Absolutely. I love the 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 twinkling keyboard uh, octave type of things that are that are going on. They do that a lot in a, mm-hmm. a lot of different songs. Yeah. Um, and and I wanted to I, I used that portion of the song because I wanted to highlight something that I'll be talking about a lot tonight, is, right. which is Mick Jones's uh, guitar. His both his so, sound and the way that he played. He's he's underrated. He really is it's, underrated. It's, it's really quite amazing, and I, I don't think I even I didn't appreciate it at the time. Mm-hmm. But some of the things uh, some of the things that he does, and I'm not a big guitar solo guy. I don't like guitar solos yeah. so if you can make them actually something that's interesting and something that, that i appreciate or if you don't or if it's in there and you don't even realize you're hearing sure, a guitar exactly. solo it just moves the song yep. along yep mick uh mick jones and a lot of these songs were, we're not queuing them up from the beginning but the foreigner hits if you just played like the opening 10 seconds of each one he like starts out with like every song starts with a great guitar yep. riff yep it's it's amazing. A, yeah, a couple more here coming up here that, uh, that I mean, he's, he's, first off, he was a great guitarist. He was also, and he still is, a, uh, a great writer. And that was yeah. evident from the start. Yep. Uh, that he understood the pop sensibilities. And his, his background is so fascinating. I know you had uh, given me the, uh, I, the, bo- the I book to read. gave you his big book. The book, the book to read. And to, he, to see the time that he spent over in France and playing mm-hmm. for uh, Johnny Holiday or whoever it was yeah. uh, back up for, for a bunch of different bands. And, and, and Spooky just Tooth. Spooky and... Tooth and all that kind of stuff. So he, I think, had already formulated an idea about the music business. Yeah. And more importantly, how he wanted this band to sound and to function when it came, and from a writing perspective, exactly how to go about writing hit songs. And yeah, and that's what's great is like he did want to have hits. I when so when these artists say we just you know we wrote what we did and we just let the audience catch it. No, this guy said no. We're going to write hit songs. I want to have the best players, the best singer. And we're going to write hooky There's, there's nothing wrong with being no. popular. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with recognizing what people want to hear and right. giving them what they want to hear. Now, sometimes you give them something that they don't know they wanted to hear. Right. But, it's a surprise. But listen, the, the ear wants what the ear wants. For example, that new album, Look at You. <laughs> exactly. People exactly. didn't know they needed or wanted they it, but they know. do. They didn't know. They they need everybody it. needs that they do in their need life. That. They didn't know. Okay, I went with a, another one of the big hits. Uh, and uh, spoiler alert. Uh, the big, big hit on this is will be our playout song. Okay. But this is Long, Long Way From Home. Alexi, I know that you brought uh, CDs for me to give away. Yep. I, I might not give them away in conjunction with this episode, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I have four Blu-ray copies of uh, that I've had forever. I've had them forever, and I need to give them away in conjunction with this. It's a Foreigner live concert oh, nice. from 1978. It's them at the Rainbow in, I think that's in, in London. They play the whole first album, and then they debut. What do they debut off the second album? Uh I think it's uh, Double Vision and Hot-Blooded. Okay. But to see these guys back then, just jeans 
and just t-shirts and just Lou Graham banging on the cowbell, holding it in his hand. And, and they're like a real rock and roll yeah. band. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing slick. It's there, there's just nothing so the, down the and recording, dirty. The technology yes. was, was bare bones and raw. There wasn't a lot of effect on, on the voice or the nope. guitars or anything like that. It and, was. And it's great. Uh, it's great. So uh, which, it also it also meant you couldn't hide back then, which so many no. bands can do nowadays. Yeah. Whether it's singers or anybody else, like you can hide behind technology. Yeah, and it was front and center. Yeah, and no way. Lou, this Lou is was it. out there, and that was his voice, and it wasn't anything being and, done to it. And, and his voice is great. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's nuts. crazy. You, you you understand why when Mick Jones hooked up with him, why he knew, boom, that's boom, what I that's need. the guy. Yeah. Uh, what's your next song off of the Foreigner so, debut? Speaking of Mick Jones and speaking of writing songs that are uh, that are that are designed to be popular, mm-hmm. this is not one of them. Okay, this is <laughs> this is a strange song that that I'm sure there are Foreigner people out there that are knee deep in Foreigner that they love it when he he and the group play this in concert. And they still do sometimes. And, and, and they still do uh, because it is probably such a unique and kind of cool moment to be so, <laughs> such a strange song. It's, it, I mean, it's got, it's got this whole, you know, obviously space age uh, vibe, but it's got that whole medieval type of feel and Hobbit, Lord of the Rings <laughs> type right. of thing going on. And, and a lot of bands, when they started out, even Def Leppard, you know, when they started out, they were kind of doing some of these weird yeah. things where it was a, you know, mystical type They'd of thing. throw things. one of these in there. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not a horrible song, but it's just a strange song when you put it in the catalog of Foreigner. Even uh, in the catalog of this album, even in the catalog, this, it's, it sticks fit. out. Maybe as a sore thumb or maybe not, but this is Star Rider. Lands of future and past. And that's Mick singing there. Until the heavenly gates were sighted at last. Yeah, so some, there, yeah. Yeah, Mick, Mick takes lead vocal once in a while in the uh, first few albums. He does. Uh, Lou comes in later on in that song uh, a, a little bit there, but it, it's, it, it's got this weird <laughs> Asia type of yes. feel. I feel like Asia yes. should, be, uh, should be doing yep. it. Uh, but it's, it's, a very, it's a very strange, strange song, and you wonder you know, what, what the conversation mm-hmm. was about, right. yeah, let's, let's include this one on there. I like the the writing credits of all the foreigner songs. It, like it wasn't like Lennon McCartney, where it would always be like you would say Lennon McCartney. Whoever brought the song got is first, listed first on the albums. Like if it was if it's if Mick brought the song in and Lou helped, it's Mick Jones and Lou Graham. And this next one is a song that Lou brought because this is credited to Lou Graham and Mick Jones. And I feel like this is like a perfect Lou Graham song because I feel like he was like a scrapper and he was like a little bit more the the tougher guy. Even when you see the whole band together, yeah. he's just like that, that's kind of what made it work. That dichotomy yeah. between these these two yep. very very different, like maybe an English individual. gentleman and then this exactly. guy from Rochester, exactly. New York, and this song is called Headknocker. Headknocker. 
How do you feel about that song? Do you like Head Knocker or you do not like it? I, I sense you might not like it. I don't like the words. I like the melody. Okay. I would have liked it if it was something, if the words were different. <laughs> <laughs> He's just singing about a guy. I know, but it's, it's just the whole Knocker thing. I don't know. <laughs> But I guess it's a bar. It's a barroom song. It's a, it's a right. bar band type of song. So. I feel like if ACDC had a song called Head Knocker, it would be okay. It would be okay. It would be, but exactly. not for fun. I get you. I understand. <laughs> All right, this album sells five million copies Ooh. out of the gate. That's pretty good. That's I, th- I think everyone's happy with that. I think everybody's happy happy with that. And now the question is, what do you do next? <laughs> Well, then it says here, Double Vision sells 7 million copies. Amazing. How is that possible that they weren't, you know, fat on success? I know. And, and they bring, their sophomore effort was even better? Yeah. And Keith Olsen comes in to... Oh, uh, you know I love Keith Olsen. I know. If, who, who's Keith Olsen worked with? He's worked with uh, Rick Springfield. He's worked with... Uh, White Snake. Uh, White Snake and Pat Benatar and it's everyone. Yep. He's worked with everyone. Absolutely. Um, so we got, uh, got Double Vision. I like this. Uh, I do like. I do like this album better. You like this one better. You think that they think were they were more efficient and and focused in on exactly what they wanted to do. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is. I just like the songs that I like on this. Like if I take the best songs from the first one, the best songs for this one, I like these songs a little better. The the, the three big hits on the first album are undeniable, but for some reason, I just like this. And and what is. You know, pretty incredible here is we, once again we are in that time where bands were putting out albums every single year. Yeah. So you said '77 was the uh, uh, the Foreigner album, and then this in '78 with the uh, Double Vision and seven times platinum. So you know they would have had to have written this on the road or yeah. stuff that they had hanging around yeah. from before. But it's a pretty amazing output to be able to do so that. In two years, they sold 12 million albums. Right. That's crazy. It's unheard of today. And, and wrote great songs, including. Yeah standards like I'm sure we're about to hear. Yeah, songs that have never left the set list. Yep. So what, what's your first one? My first one is one that everybody will know whether they know Foreigner or not yes. uh, from either listening to it as Foreigner or hearing it on commercials or, or promotions or anything like that. So I'm, I'm not going to say it, but it went to number three on the billboards, uh, you know, whatever the top, whatever it is. And I will, this was this was when I was growing up. I grew up out, uh, outside of Detroit in Michigan, and I remember performing this song at a talent show. Uh, so this was one that, once again, was awesome, but it could be performed by everybody. It was simple, but not simplistic. Here we go, hot-blooded. actually get to the hospital that's yeah, a little I mean, bit 103 is not that's good that's a lot it's I mean, not that's, good that's board, that's one they tell you you really should go in <laughs> and see really somebody go. At, at, a, <laughs> at 103 there's a line in there where he says and you, this is why you know you're in the 70s mm-hmm. where he says mama uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> for when for he's his, talking to uh, his, uh, his lady. Yeah, his, his lady. And you know you're in the 70s. I think the 80s bypassed the mama and then what would have been like Ozzy brought it back around with mama, I'm going mama, home. Mama, I'm coming or, home. Or coming home or whatever. I, so. Yeah, my... Um, a friend of mine calls his uh, his wife mother, and he uh, does not. He does intentionally. Like that's a that's a thing. Yes, <laughs> and I'm not down with it. I would I would never do it, and I would never be allowed to do it. Oh my god! I know, there, but no sense of irony or or anything. When I hear it. I don't feel like it is <laughs> because right. she doesn't say like stop calling me that or knock it off. You know, right? So she just goes with it. So I'm like. Wow. I don't know. That's, I know. Uh, that's a big step. Now, uh, because I saw, I, I saw, Alexi sent me his list because I asked him sure. to. And then, so I obviously, I picked different songs. Yep. We would have had a couple crossovers, but um, this is one I, I do love. Uh, this is a deeper album cut. This is Back Where You Belong. This was a three minute. This is a three minute, sixteen second song, but it has a lot of layers. Like I couldn't drop it in at the beginning because then it would take too long to get to right. this part. Because I really do love the chorus. So, um, is that your favorite part's the chorus? I do like the chorus. I like all of it, but I mean, but if I'm gonna, I do like the chorus. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> is that the is that the wasted of the day? I'm not. I'm not a fan. But I'm not trying to intimidate you because I was. I was. Listening, I can't remember what pod I was listening to you where you got completely intimidated by the guest. <laughs> In, into a I wonder who there was, it was a oh the covers the covers one you were doing oh with Christine Blackburn she completely owned you and you shrunk like uh, it was hor I was she, I was on my run I don't know why I, I had let to pull her, over I let her steamroll me Christine if you're yeah. listening you always I let you steamroll me I'm not doing it anymore that's not her fault she saw an <laughs> opportunity she said I I'm it's my I'm fault gonna, I'm gonna squash him like a grape and and you had you started apologizing <laughs> yeah. before your songs were even do. on yeah I don't have Kyle here so I don't I feel like it's one on one and Jeez. I have to be a gracious host. I'm just saying I don't like that song, but I don't want that to impact the rest of this show and that you're no, apologizing. No, I do love that. No, I love songs. that song. I do. Okay. I, I, I right, unabashedly well, love that song. It. All right. Good. And when we get when we coming, well, we there, <laughs> well, yeah, there could be some things it's coming, coming up. It's coming. Uh, okay. What's your next track? <laughs> All right. So my next one is um, Double Vision, the uh, title track. Uh, went to number two on Billboard, and for me, it's got a real. Uh, Skinnerd-esque, just listen to it, Skinnerd-esque or 38 Special song. I know, how dare I put 38 Special and Skinner <laughs> in, the same, in the same sentence. Southern but Fried Rock, it's man. Got some, it's got some Southern accents, shall we say. And evidently, I, and, and you can only believe what's on the internet for so much, but uh, this was, uh, obviously it works from a, a love or a relationship standpoint, but it also was written... Uh, with response to a hockey game where a player, oh. got, player got knocked out. So, Double Vision.
And you know, I, I had mentioned uh, the, the impressive nature of, of Mick Jones's guitar playing, but uh, Al Greenwood, uh, who played keyboards on this mm-hmm. and, and other ones, there's always a really interesting keyboard thing that's going on. Sometimes yeah. it gets sent out and you don't realize that you're hearing, but it's, I think it's as important as, as some of the guitars that are going on too. So like in that chorus right there, yeah, without the, that keyboard, it's a very different feel. These first three albums have two keyboardists, Ian McDonald yep. and Al Greenwood. And I, I really did like uh, that aspect of the first three Foreigner albums. I mean, they for the subsequent albums, they would bring in studio people, but I really liked all those keys in the band. I liked yeah, and they weren't they weren't full on because the, the the time since hadn't yeah. quite uh, you know, arrived yet. Right. But but they were they were more keyboards, and we're going to get into the synth phase in a little bit here and how the good or bad of it going on. But the the keyboard part of this band, I think, was really really important and sometimes underplayed. All right, I went mild song. My next one, it's the third hit off the album. It went to number fifteen. It's Blue Morning, Blue Day. Street, it's 6 a.m. Another sleepless night. Three cups of coffee, but I can't clear my head from what went down last night. I know we both have our own little ways, but somehow we keep it together. You hear me talk, but you don't hear what I say. I guess it Good tune. Good tune. It's a little uh, uh, Broadway-esque. It's a little... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's a little... So now there's been two songs so far that you haven't cared for that much. Do you like Double Vision better than the debut, or do you like the debut better? No, I like the debut better. Okay. Yeah. Well, coming up, this this next this is my favorite Foreigner album. This oh, next thank one. you, thank you for. I was I, I had that in my notes uh, too. I don't know if it's my favorite Foreigner album, but it has my favorite Foreigner song on it. So, Head Games. Yeah, yeah this is produced by uh, uh, Roy Thomas Baker. Oh yeah, it. Um, There's another one. That's... It only goes five times platinum, so a little disappointing <laughs> after seven. But uh, and I don't I don't know how I feel about the album cover. I don't know if I love it or if I don't, I just don't know. What do you think Kyle would say? And, and you probably need to describe it for, the, for your listeners here. Yeah, it's a, it's I'm a, gonna let it's you a, describe it. It's a girl, it's a girl in a bathroom, maybe a high school girl. Yeah. And she's, uh, obviously she's wiping her name off. She's in, she's in a men's room because there's um, urinals. Right. And she's wiping her name off the bathroom stall. Yes, she's wiping it as she sits in one of the urinals. Yeah, she's kind or of leans sitting in, yeah, lean, uh, yeah. yeah. Did which you is not that, sanitary. Did you know that the uh, the model for this evidently um, was also in the movies Heather's Less Than Zero and Say Anything? No. Yep. yep. So, Do you know uh, her name? Uh, no. No. <laughs> but I, but that's what that's what the internet tells me. So yeah. uh, that she was in uh, in those things. I I think that. I think that Kyle would like this. I think he would like it too. I think because it's it's provocative. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it kind of goes with the uh, the the album title, yeah. Head Games, because yep. whoever wrote her name there is playing head games uh-huh. with her. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so. I do like. I didn't even talk about the foreign logo. I do like the logo. I don't know what what it is about that font. I don't know. Have they, have they stuck with that for the most part? They have part? stuck with that, yeah. That's good. I like, I like when they stick with it. Yeah, sometimes it's a little thinner. Sure, but... But it's, it's the same 
whatever. The, the segmented type of lettering yes. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yes. And I do like it. Uh, this album, this is a short album. Well, all these albums were like under 40 minutes, I think. This is 38 minutes, 12 seconds. This is, uh, again, Roy Thomas Baker. But Mick Jones always has a hand in the production, too. And so does this uh, Ian McDonald. The other thing we can say about this album is we have a first lineup change. We lose bassist Ed Gagliardi. It wasn't and, happening uh, with Ed. Wasn't yeah, they just he looked cool. They just didn't like how he meshed with them or something. I don't know what was going but on. But this this is Mick Jones's band. It and is so Mick Jones's if band. If and so. when you weren't pulling your weight yeah. or he just felt something needed to be changed, it, it came from him. Yeah. As were all all the songs and all I think all the decisions yep. of it. And you have to have a leader, and he was undoubtedly the leader of this band. So yeah. So we get Rick Willis, who's played with uh Small Faces and Roxy Music and the, uh, the Jones Gang, which I think is a, a Kenny Jones wow. band. And then he went on after Foreigner to play with uh, Bad Company. But uh, yeah, I, I love this album so much. So what do you, uh, what do you got okay, for us? So I'm, I'm starting it off uh, with the title song, which is my favorite Foreigner song um, out there. Head games, obviously. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about, about this after you hear it because there's so many things going on in this okay. song. So many wonderful things going on in this song. Here we go. Oh, such a good song. Such a good song. Wonderful performances all, all over the place. So you mentioned the beginnings of songs mm-hmm. and what, uh, what Mick Jones does with the beginnings of songs, especially when it comes to the guitar. You hear the opening part of this song, which is almost a separate song yeah. from the rest of it, but not in a bad way. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's a, it doesn't seem like it's a satellite or anything. And he comes in, you know exactly what song it is. It's a wonderful, um, uh, like a, a, a positive type of feel yeah. uh, and and in a major type of chord and then immediately goes into the verses which are much more minor types and the bass uh, is on one and three boom boom and then in the second part of that verse it goes boom 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 uh, I love the, the, the way the bass uh, happened there that was that was incredible and then I just thought it was really really cool for head games, which obviously you can chant to and you can picture yes. people screaming and yelling, they switch it up a bunch of times in the songs where instead of going head games, two, it, yeah. three, four, they, you know, they yeah, go they, ahead, they, do it they switch it so it lands on the two and it's just a really interesting way to change it up rather than having the exact same thing over and over again. And it makes a difference when you're doing something. That, and that's, that's writing, that's production, that's just an understanding of rather than saying something over and over and over again the same way, which you certainly can do, right. especially for ACDC or something like that, <laughs> little things matter. And there's so many little things going on in this sound. And the guitar uh, uh, from Mick in this song, especially in the chorus, there's wonderful chords that, uh, and, the, and the sound that he has. I just love this song. And the production's been great on all these albums, but man, I just, I don't know what it is about this album that, this is my go-to. I love every single song. I love every song on here. There's not every one single I, one. Every one. I don't skip any of these. All right. Well, then it should be easy for you to pick a song here. No, it was difficult to pick. <laughs> I, I actually had to pick three. You picked three? I did. You I cheated. cheated. That's all right. It doesn't mean I'll play three. That's but okay. This is uh, Love on the Telephone. 
just wanted to hear a little bit of that keyboard. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Got to go to that keyboard. It's wonderful. Love it that, so that much. That is great. You can't like every song on this. All right, I'll, I'll get to it in a second. But uh, wait till you hear what I play, and then because I might. Play, I bet I'm going to play one that you might not like. <laughs> okay. All right. But it's my turn. Is that what? Uh, is, is That's that what how it works. We go back. And okay. Forth. Uh, let's see. What did I, what did I have? Oh yeah. Okay. So I have. Uh, I'll get even with you. Oh, it's great. And, and I did that uh, because later on. Uh, not to not spoiler alert, Lou Graham is going to leave the band <laughs> at what? some point. Yeah. And um, he has uh, a couple of hits with uh, Ready or Not and uh, Midnight Blue. And if you listen, I actually brought the, the, the solo stuff to did sprinkle you? in through. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, when we hear Midnight Blue, you will reference back to this because there's, there's a little Midnight Blue type of mm-hmm. uh, guitarish uh, that happens in this song. So I'll get even with you. This song has some pounding drums too, like some rolls, like yeah. like that kind of stuff. I love. And a lot of different things. It's got a little sticks fooling yourself type of keyboard thing going on mm-hmm. in the background and all sorts of, of wonderful things. Now, you, you know I have, two more, I have two songs queued up. Okay. I want you to uh, tell, me one of the, tell me what the songs are you don't like. I want to see if one of them is... Uh, well, number 10, uh, Rev on the Red Line. Oh, I, I like that. How do you like that? That whole car because bullshit. I, I hate car stuff. I'm not a car stuff. But then this, how can you like this? Because I think I read that Lou, Lou, this is what they would do in Rochester where he grew up. They would drag race. Oh, and so he just wrote God. a song like from his youth. Oh, you're going to go blinded by science, aren't you? Uh, nope, nope. I, I, do, I like that too, though, but that's not one. <laughs> All right, play the song. What, what do you got? Okay. I like that. This is a Mick Jones sings this one. And this is modern day. You don't like it. I knew you didn't. just love that song so much i i have no problem with the song but you have just established over the past three albums okay <laughs> that the power of your band is this wonderful songwriter that you have mm-hmm. with one of the great rock voices right. in history right why the hell are you singing a song that would be so much better if lou graham sang but he uh, mix sings like one song on each of these I, three i don't three want albums. that I, that's not what i want no i know what you're saying when you have a singer it's like why is he singing but i don't mind his voice Go and do your solo album. Well, That's what the solo album's for. Nobody is buying yeah. it to hear you right. sing. But, and what stinks is when his solo album came out, I was so excited because I like the songs he sings in Foreigner, and then I don't like that solo album. He's just not... If he's good for one per album. Tommy Shaw or something, okay, uh, whatever, okay? Well, yeah, some bands have two vocalists, and they're both stellar. If they're really, really good. Even if Jay, then you throw J.Y. a bone, and that's fine, too, sometimes. (laughs) Snowblind or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Um, goodness. 
right. and then the other one, I, I'm going to play two. I'm going to cheat. Go, go. But the other one I like is, uh, is Do What You Like. Okay. Don't tell me what you can't do. I think there's other songs in this you don't like. How do you feel about women? <laughs> no. You don't like that one? No. And What's better, Def Leppard's women or Foreigner's women? Oh, my goodness. It's not even a question. I give you women. <laughs> so now when we started, I thought you liked I thought you liked this album and now it kind of feels like you don't no, care for I this. I said album. I like the album, but specifically because it has my favorite foreigner song okay, on it. Okay. And so have we come to your favorite foreigner no, album yet? No. We haven't. No. Okay, good. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to uh Foreigner Four. Uh, this was a hit, right? Did people like this album? I think they evidently, did. Evidently, evidently. Uh, it's funny though; it didn't. It, it sold six million. Double Vision still sold more. It's nineteen eighty-one. Is that when it comes out? Eighty-one. Yeah, I feel because, like it's later. Wow, that's okay. because they work with. It couldn't be eighty because well, they work with Mutt Lang, and he was putting them through their paces. I'm sure. Anything that Mutt Lang touches, and I think this is a perfect example, becomes automatically not just better but great. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty crazy how what effect he has on. You know, the cars and obviously Def Leppard and Foreigner and ACDC. Everybody. It's just Brian crazy. Adams. Brian Adams, yeah. everyone. Yeah. The, uh, we got big lineup changes now. The keyboards are kicked out of the band. I don't know if they wanted to uh, stretch their wings uh, writing-wise or what, but um, they're not here. They're a four-piece now. Yep. But and it was kind of cool. Foreigner 4, it's our fourth album. We're four. And the cover is perfect. Yep. It's perfect. Like, whoever thought this up... It's perfect. Yep. It's, um, how do you describe this? What is it? It's when, it's when there would be a countdown. Yeah, yeah, with the color correction or whatever that yeah. happened at the beginning of movies. Four, three, two, one. This is the four. And yeah, it's perfect. It, exactly. So, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is as close to a perfect album as certainly they are going to get. Mm -hmm. and, and you can argue one of the, one of the great rock albums ever yeah. released. And it's, um, and then the logo's in red. It's, it's gray, black, and white, and then red. Everything pops. This is going to look good on a t-shirt. Yep. We're all ready to go. We have some uh, guest players on this. Tommy, Thomas Dolby is all the main right, synthesizers yeah. on this. We got Mark, uh, Mark Rivera, saxophone. Uh, Junior Walker does uh, one of the all-time greatest saxophone solos ever on a rock song. And Mutt Lang, too, uh, for all his Mutt production. Lang, yeah. He's always singing, and you, know, you never yep. know what is or isn't Mutt Lang when it comes to... But again, Mick, Mick won't release having a co-producer credit. He is, no, no, he's taking it he, all. He wants, he, yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, so what do we got from Alexi Lawless from okay. Foreigner 4? All right, so Foreigner 4, uh, and I'm sure we're going to hear the hits as we should. Is but, this uh, your favorite Foreigner album? This is my favorite Foreigner album, okay. yes. Um, not because it was popular, I just think... It's a great album. They, everything came together. The, yeah. the songs were great and... Once again, I'm a sucker for Mutt Lang mm -hmm. type of production yep. stuff, which happens in a lot of these songs. There are these moments where it could be a certain level, and because of the production, it's taken to a different level. Um, okay, uh, so I'm, uh, my first song off of this album is Break It Up. And when, when you hear this, there's a, uh, there's a keyboard part in this that I always thought some 
rap or hip hop artists should have sampled and used uh, out there. So break it up. good so good sparkling synths in the background just just floating over everything i think uh, a wonderful lou graham performance from a vocal perspective and just just good from start to finish now there is a song on this album that's a gigantic hit that i don't like at all that you don't like at all i don't like it like i like it live but on the album i'll skip it and i never liked it even when it was released i just do not like jukebox hero how <laughs> to me, that's the revel in the red line of this. Really? They're singing about, and then they're singing about, you know what I mean? Like, they're singing about cards, they're singing about a guy who's going to become a rock. It just, it's never, I, I'm oh. fine with it live, but I've never liked it oh, I on love, record. I love the dynamics of it. Yeah. I love. You know, I, I, the, I'm in the minority. I'm really? not going to lie, but I just never liked it. Oh my God. And then when it goes to double time and, because oh, so, I didn't pick that one because I thought you were going to pick it or no, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't like it's, it. Oh, it's so good. Now, when it came out. You can never, never pick your songs because of what, so many people go, I thought you might pick that. I'm like, right. just pick I know, your songs. Exactly. I should have. Well, no, because I'm still happy with my second yeah. pick too. So, but I, I, I don't, you know, we growing up in the eighties. I didn't have that uh, that diner experience, so I always thought when it first came out, before we had the internet to look up yeah. lyrics and stuff like I and we were listening to it on the radio. I thought it was jute, jute. jute that's jute, funny. Jute yeah, that box. makes sense because I had no idea what a jukebox was. What does juke mean? What's the word mean? Juke. It's a uh, weird word. Dance does it mean dance? Maybe uh, I don't know. Juke. I think it would just be hockey. To, juke uh, means to go around somebody uh, to deke somebody. Out. Well, anyway, um, I guess you couldn't call it a music box because no, that's something else. But we never had that that diner-esque type of... Our diners were Denny's, and Denny's didn't have jukeboxes. You were too young for Happy Days? You couldn't watch Fonzie? But that would be the only thing, and I still wouldn't know what it was. was. So I figured out that uh, that's what they they were talking about. But I I loved Jukebox Hero, even though I didn't didn't pick it here. So you definitely didn't pick it. I definitely didn't pick it. you're up. Uh, I I think this album is bookended with two great songs. Uh, Nightlife opens up the album, and I love the song that closes out the album. This is Don't Let Go.
that's Ian Lloyd does a lot of the background vocals on all these albums that's too. That's where it hooks you in. Once yeah. you get those background vocals going, that's good. That's that's Don't Worry Baby type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. See, I like this song because this is the song. It closes out the album. It makes you want to listen to the album all over again, yep. in my opinion. Just flip it right back over. Yeah. Also, we have to give credit. Ian Lloyd does background vocals on all these, almost all the Foreigner albums. He did all the, um, he was almost the singer. He did all the scratch vocals on all the demos that Mick did. And he's in, what, is he in the band Stories? He sings Brother Louie. Oh, really? Yeah, Ian Lloyd. All right. Pretty sure. <laughs> you don't believe anything? <laughs> no, I, I believe could say anything right now. You could say anything right now. Yeah, he was in Full House. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was in Jesse and the Rippers. <laughs> I'm going to click on that. I'm going to make sure. I don't like to give information. I always tell people I don't know everything. I just know what I think I know. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was in the band Stories. And they're singing, yeah, their big song was Brother Louie. You know that song, right? There you go. No. Louie, 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 Louie. Oh, yeah. I can't that sing. One. It's called Brother Louie? It's called Brother Louie. I thought it was called Louie. Why would you call it Brother Louie? You thought it was Jukebox. No, but it's the, the chorus is like, that's true. <laughs> I don't know why. I hate a song that's named something that has nothing. It's not, the, it's not in the song anywhere. It has nothing to do with it. Pearl Jam does that a lot. The Crunch by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> they don't sing that in the song. All right, what's your next song from your favorite Foreigner album, Foreigner 4? Okay, so I want to preface this by uh, making a blanket statement in that I am not a fan of the saxophone. Um, at, you mean not in this, just at all? Sax solos for me are, are overindulgent. And, not indulgent, it just, mm -hmm. it is somehow they, they, they are grating and they don't always fit. Now, I know there's the E Street type of thing and, and where it... But there's a saxophone player in the E Street band, so right, right. that makes a little more sense. You're saying like when, when it's like a trick, just like, hey, let's blue, throw oh, it. Here, we're throwing a saxophone, a saxophone in. Uh, it's something we've never thing. done before. Something let's did. do it. And it, it takes me out of the band. Uh, it mm -hmm. takes me out of what the band is to a certain extent. But th I guess this is my ultimate compliment and you mentioned junior walker here so uh i am definitely talking about urgent and the uh saxophone being so prominent in this song i just i love this song again the guitar sound uh that mcjones has is is wonderful and the chorus really is where mutt lang shines because if you listen to the chorus it could have been so bleh, and it turns into just this wonderful slippery slick wonderful um cosmic type mm -hmm. of uh, of moment here we go, urgent.
Junior Walker's great, obviously, but I want to give a shout out to this guy that's in the band now, Tom Gimble. He's been in the band since 94, I think, and he plays this solo live every single night. Wow. I mean, after performing, you know, because this is probably at the tail end of the set list. Right. So he's, he's winded from the whole night, and then he nails this every time that's I've seen awesome. them. Yeah. That is awesome. So that's, that's big time. Junior Walker played it once. Right. Thank you. Pay me my <laughs> yeah, money. I'm out you. of here. I'm out of here. As good as it's, it's going to be. And it's, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. That, you know, that whole, and like I said, that cosmic type of flush that comes through when, when he's saying urgent and just so many different things going on production wise are just awesome. Yeah. It's, it's great. So, uh, what's my next foreigner for? Oh, now this is an oddball choice, but I love this song. Like okay. no one would ever pick this song. This is the one with, named after the lady. Okay. Luann. I love it. I love this so much. I play tennis over at the uh, Weddington courts right here, uh, right by the office where we're recording. Mm -hmm. And the woman that works in, in the office there, and she's not, when I say a woman, she's younger than me. Her name's Luann. And I'm like, so the first time she's like, <laughs> oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Luann. I'm like, Luann, that's a name I never hear. And that's a foreigner song. Oh, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like it would be, it would have fit perfectly in with uh, American Fool, like John Cougar. It has, it has a John Cougar type yeah. of feel there. So, so that's it for this album? Is, is, is that yeah. it? I will say, now, even though I don't like... Waiting it, for a girl? We, we got to... I mean, mean, I mean, I don't have anything else queued up. I only brought the songs... I just, I just feel like Waiting for a Girl Like You was, was such a hit. And, it, and it, I think it, it, it planted a seed. How come you didn't pick it? Because, <laughs> because that seed was... Well, I mean, that was, a, that was the demon seed, if you will, yes, from a foreigner yeah. perspective. Yeah. Because it, it planted a seed that grew into something that they could not control. Right. So that's the only reason why the, uh, I, I mention it. And I want to go through this. Uh, even though I don't, I don't particularly care for Jukebox Hero, uh, I'm not saying that's a bad song. It's just one I don't care for. Every, I think every song on this album is great. Yeah. Uh, Break It Up, Waiting on a Girl Like You, Urgent, I'm Gonna Win, Women in Black, Girl on the Moon. This album closes out. Side two of this album is great. Urgent, I'm Gonna Win, Women in Black, Girl on the Moon and Don't Let Go. I think that's a great. And what are we too. looking at in terms of uh, of sales? So it's it says it's five, five million oh, is what geez. it says. I, I bet it was. I, I bet it's like more. No, more. six million. Six million. Six million. Jeez. That's just in the U.S. though. Platinum in Australia, gold in France, gold in Germany, platinum in the U.K. Wow. I know it's uh, it's unbelievable. And then uh, then I think they tour on this a long time. Yeah, as they so should. So that's why we don't get another album until 1984. And this is, uh, this is Agent Provocateur. What do you think of that album cover? Kyle would say this is lazy, I bet. He'd, it's just the big F. I don't, yeah, I don't quite get it. He would say it's lazy. Yeah. Um, the minimalist type of thing certainly can work. I'm not sure if it did here. Yeah. And I don't, I don't quite know what they're, they're trying to say here. Because you have, 
a a title for an album that yeah. is very different and unique and memorable, and yet you don't have an accompanying uh, optic that that shows that this what any it doesn't explain it any more no. <laughs> so than no. the album uh, than nope. the name of the album. And uh, this album is produced uh, by Mick Jones and Alex Sadkin, who I think worked with Duran Duran. Ooh, I think. If you say it, you have the microphone. Doesn't, it's got to be true. Uh, hold on. Yeah, he produced. Uh, he produced Seven and the Ragged Tiger. And he worked with Thompson Twins. And he produced Arcadia, So Red the Rose. So bands that aren't really, you know, similar to Foreigner. Sure. But we're knee deep. This is 1984, yeah. right? I mean, so yep. this was recorded either in 80, late 83 or mm -hmm. and, then, and then comes out in 1984. So we're knee deep in New Wave yeah. and Synth and uh, MTV and, and all of that kind of stuff. So people are, are get get the hot producer get the hot sound let's yep. chase what's going on in the uh in the industry right now and that's another thing foreigner they they worked they never worked with the same producer twice that must have been a, a choice because even you know like you would have thought well let's work with mud again unless he wasn't available but you know what i mean they never um they never worked with they changed producers every time and it was always a, a name usually or someone that i had read before on an album cover somewhere well, I think they were they were chasing, maybe yeah. to a certain extent, and you know I think the 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 songs on this album and the way that the overall album mm -hmm. the, the the sound of this album I think was designed to reflect what yeah. was going on. It was strategic. And even though they're in 1984, they're not old men, but when no. you see a band photo of those guys, they kind of look like old men. Yep. You know, comparatively, especially with the other bands that are out there. And this would have been where the video portion mm -hmm. of putting out a song was as important, yeah. if not more important. Now we're into that moment where it wasn't just about the song, it was about the look and, and how you looked and what yep. you did. And, and I mean, Lou Graham's not a great looking dude. <laughs> he's not, he's got, the, his two front teeth are pushed in. You know what I mean? Like it was like, he never had, he never had those corrected. And he never he really kid. dressed the rock starish you know no, it was, it was still he was still in that t-shirt jeans, jeans tight t-shirt yeah. tight very bell, tight. almost bell bottomy type yep, of thing because he was super super tiny guy short yep. and really really skinny yep and once again we, we i think we mentioned this earlier you know he was from rochester, rochester and very meat and potatoes yeah. and and uh you know, middle class type of uh, of, of thing and you juxtapose it with the person that was writing the songs and Mick Jones and what yeah. he was from. And that's probably why it, why it worked, but it's yeah. also pro probably why problems it, it stopped to working. arise. Yeah. So what is your first tune? Okay, so my first tune off of Agent Provocateur in 1988 was... 84. Uh, sorry, 84. Uh, was a massive, massive hit. Uh, it, it transcended all the different charts and stuff like that. And it's I Want to Know What Love Is.
Let me ask you a question about this song. Sure. Do, do you think Mutt Lang makes this an even better song, or is this as good as it could possibly be? I think he makes it a different song. Better song? I think I would like it more, but I'm not sure that it's that much more. I think this is this as... Is it. This is this is as open up my mouth and drop the sugar in as you could possibly as you could possibly get. It's also the undoing or the start of the undoing of the band because of mm -hmm. what it represented and how different it was from a lot of the songs yeah. and the image and, and whatever image that they had and what they started out with. You mentioned uh, uh, <coughs> uh, the Thompson Twins. Um, Tom Bailey sings on this song, yeah. uh, and this is. You know, this is everybody in the house, and they, even the video has kids and, and a choir, yeah, choir singing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So this was everything in the kitchen sink <laughs> yep. into it, appealing, and uh, you know the, the 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 words, and everybody could relate to it. But it was a soft type of thing, and it was it was not a situation where you had a bunch of really good hard songs and mm -hmm. then you threw in the ballad that type of formula yeah. that was happening this was this is what this is what agent provocateur is all about yeah. and this is therefore what foreigner is about whether you like it or not yeah this this doesn't work as an album for me i have songs on it that i don't like but as far as it just doesn't flow for some reason for me i just don't the songs i like i like but i don't like it as an album yeah and you know bottom. once again this is all Jones, if you look at the writing credits, it's Jones, 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 yeah. and Graham's in there, but you know who was driving yeah. this. And you, did you read Lou's book? Which one was that? Was the one you sent me? That was Mick's book, and then there was also... Oh, no, Lou's I didn't read... Lou. Oh, no, uh, no, I didn't read, read Lou's book. Okay, so here's the, yeah. story in, here, here's the story in Lou's book. Whenever they would write a song together, when they were done, they would each write, like at a car dealership, they would write on the paper how much, whoever brought the song, the other guy would write how much percentage of the song credits would, yeah, residuals. They calculate it out? Yeah, they would calculate it out. You know, it would be like 45, you know, 45, 55, or 40, 60, 40, or whatever. I don't think Lennon and McCartney ever did that. I don't think so either. Just, yeah, this is, us, this is 50, really, 50, this is really making it a business. Right. So when they complete I Want to Know What Love Is, um, Mick writes down and slides it over, it's 5% is what he's given to Lou. And Lou in his book says, I worked on the vocal arrangements, I added lyrics. I, he said, he's like, 5%, that was an insult. He goes, and I was so pissed off that he would slide that number over to me. He said, he just tells Mick, you can, you can have it. Oh, don't do that. So he didn't even take the five. <laughs> I know, he didn't even take the well, five. Well, that's because he's a man of principle. Yeah, you know, and I get it. And he's, he's, that's, that's the working class that blue collar guy from Rochester who says, fuck it, then you take it. Wow. I know. Wow. A song that's, that's played at every wedding for 20 years after this. I, I do, and if you're, if you're writing and writing with a partner, I recognize the, the need to be benevolent and, and, and recognize yeah. that it's not always about the amount of time that you did. But yeah. there are times where you come in with a song and it's, and it's done to, for, for, for the most part. And somebody comes in and adds maybe what is a really, really important song, but is that enough to give you the 50%? So I, I, I don't know if he wanted 50, I mean, but he didn't want five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, that's, that's his take on it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't even think, I don't think Mick even talks about the writing of the song in the book because he's got full credit, so why would he even bring it up? Okay, I mean, so, for example, if I brought in uh, the song from Tony Basil or whatever, Mickey, right? Yeah. And 
I had it all done, mm-hmm. all right? And we're sitting down as writing partners. Mm-hmm. And we get through it, and you go, you know what? You call, you're, why are you calling it Nikki? It should be called Mickey. Right. Okay? And you say that. What you just did fundamentally changed the mm-hmm. way, potentially, fundamentally yeah. changed the way the song was interpreted and therefore possibly completely changed how successful it was been. Yeah. How much percentage would you want for doing that? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to go back because yeah, you know hard. what it, was, what it well, ultimately it's like, it's became. Like the, when Peter Chris brought Beth to the band, it was called Beck. Right. And they, and and they changed it to Beth, and they, that, they deserve a lot of credit for that, <laughs> for making it Beth. But yeah, nobody would ever have listened if they were singing Beck, Beck. I Hear You Calling. Yeah, like Gene Simmons was, is this about Jeff Beck? What is this uh, song about? man. Oh, God. 5%. Here you go. I know. All right. This is the song that kicks off the album, and this sets a tone for what the album really isn't. And this is Tooth and Nail. Such a noisy song. It's very noisy, and it's it's a soundtrack song. They yeah. should have given it to a movie. Oh, you're right. It I mean, I don't mind the song, but it is a soundtrack, a soundtrack song, soundtrack isn't song. it? It's yeah. It, it, and it's to start qu- the album off, I mean, come on, it's, it is Vision, it's Vision Quest. Quest. Yeah, and this is starting to get in where you know I've said so much about um, the tone and the sound of uh, Nick Jones's guitar. Yeah, and, and it's starting to get into a point where it's just sounding like every other guitar. Yeah, it's, it's really just, disappointing. I think he's he's phoning it in. And I understand there's a sound for every decade yeah. and era, but it doesn't feel like this is the album that comes off of Foreigner Four. Right. It doesn't. They didn't springboard into something. This even if even if they kept it the same, because that, that happens a lot when the band has uh, the big album. You know, like for those about to rock is kind of back in Black Junior a little right. bit. You know what I mean? But sometimes that happens, and sometimes that's okay. But this is so. It's this yeah. is this is out there. Uh, now, the song that you picked, though, this next one, I really love this song. You really know this next song. I, I love this one, yeah. Okay, so uh, this is, well, this is That Was Yesterday. I like that song a lot. It's got, yeah, it's a good sing-along 
type of, not necessarily a feel-good song, but a, a good sing-along type of thing that, that you could do. We should probably say that uh, also when we're talking about that relationship mm-hmm. between uh, Lou and Mick, it, it's starting to crumble. There's a lot of breakup there's songs a lot on of, this. There's a lot of problems going on, on with direction album. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And uh, from, from, by, from their accounts and all accounts, they were heavily into cocaine and, and drugs were playing a, a, a major part of what was going on in their individual <laughs> certainly, lives. Certainly. And certainly from a, a band perspective, that probably didn't help. Uh, Jennifer Holliday also sings on I Want to Know What Love Is on, oh, really? the, on the studio version. I'm just reading that now. So, uh, Okay, my next song on Agent Provocateur is, because I would have picked uh, That Was Yesterday. You would, okay. Uh, I picked Love in Vain. The headphones on this song has like a big empty yep. room feel. Yep. It's it's open. It's open. Uh, you, you had uh, you had played Tooth and Nail earlier. Yes. And that kicks off the album. Yeah. And but doesn't necessarily reflect the album. No, because then. But it, their it, their because, first single was still I Want to Know What Love Is. So they went right to the honey. They yes, said, they did. This is going to be big. Right. We're going with this, regardless of what the rest of the album says. But it all of these. To us, yeah, all of these kind of still sound soundtracky to me. Remember when mm-hmm. we did the uh, Brian Adams pod? Yes, yes, the, yes. Sim, the, what's the sim, the Cimarron, the 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 horse yeah, yeah, soundtrack yeah, yeah. that he did for the whatever spirit, the, spirit of the Cimarron yes. or whatever. So this is kind of the spirit of the Cimarron, where it all should have been a soundtrack to one album or to yeah. one movie or something or something like that. But for a foreigner album, right now you're 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 looking around, scratching your head. And for a lot of people, this is the first time that. If they haven't seen them live, they're seeing them because they're seeing yes. videos on MTV and say, so, "Wow, this is this is the foreigner." And that- even the for uh, I want to know what love is. Mick, uh, I mean, Lou Graham's makeup isn't even good. He looks like a ghost. Yep. He's just and his hair. He cut his hair, right? And he doesn't look good with the short hair. Yeah. It's really, it's just bad. <laughs> and they're and they have like eighties like shoulder paddy clothes. It's not a good video. It's, not, it's good. not a good it's, video at all. It's not good. All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump a little bit here. We're gonna go. We're gonna talk a little bit about Ready or Not. I have the two hits okay. from Ready or Not. Okay. Lou, Lou needs a break. I don't think he. I don't think he quits. The, no, he, he doesn't. Didn't, doesn't quit the band. Says, but he I needs just a need break. To go find myself musically or whatever. And, and his first his first single off of uh, Ready or Not is Midnight Blue, a song that he brought to Foreigner, and they Mick rejected it. He made a mistake, right? Big mistake. I feel like I always try to think of songs that I think everyone likes. You know, like I like under pressure. I'm like, sure. that's a song everyone likes. No, but I, I think Midnight Blue might be a song that everyone likes. It's got everything's working on this. Here we go. Ain't got no regrets. I ain't losing track of which way I'm going. I ain't gonna double back now. Don't wanna misplay. Put on no display, an angel know, but I know my way. 
love that lyric but my following days are over and now i just got to follow through it's, it's, it's a great song it's great it's a, what what year was that this was 1987 1987 i know uh, neil's lofgren on lead guitar oh, really? on this whole album it's it's just a really good album and yeah i think from mick's perspective he's looking at it and going well that's something that we it just sounds like what we're doing so why why are you why you're doing this well and, and I, maybe it's because because you didn't okay. let me do it on the Jim last album. Tour, that sounds like yeah. nothing, nothing that we're doing. I know uh, Midnight Blue because in, uh, in 2000, I was working um, the Olympics in Sydney. And uh, we were staying in Sydney, and I was running every morning. And I listened to Midnight Blue every mm-hmm. morning because that was back uh, in the Napster days. And one of the first songs that I ever illegally downloaded was, <laughs> Midnight, Midnight, Blue. was Midnight Blue from Lou Graham. So, Lou, I owe you, uh, I owe you a few cents uh, yeah, back then. That cents. was, that was you know, knee-deep in the whole uh, file trading uh, moment and stuff like that. But I'll never forget running uh, downtown Sydney listening to, uh, listening to Midnight Blue. I always associated it. It was a great song. Ready or not was good, too, so. I do. Uh, I do agree that when a, when a singer in a band does a solo album, it should be, it should be vastly different. Otherwise, why? Like like when Steve Perry's first solo album, Street Talk, came out, it was more soulful and more like Otis Redding type vibe. So that definitely sounded different uh, from Journey. So they couldn't have been too pissed off about that. Yeah, even though they probably were. It's hard too because I think if, especially for for Mick Jones, who this is his baby, and we've talked all, all the whole podcast yeah. about how important he was. Right, you're taking a piece out of it, and I think there's probably a a, a human reaction to that, saying, "Well, wait a second, yeah, th- I gave you this opportunity, and he did give him this opportunity. He yeah. chose him. Yep. You know, I mean, Lou Graham might still be playing in bar bands in Rochester, so." Yeah, he does owe Mick a lot. It's tough, though, because it's like, well, yeah, you owe me a lot, but then I'm the voice that got your songs out there, too. Right, and then, so then, but but, as we said, he didn't quit the band, and so now he comes back flush with this success from a solo thing and probably feeling emboldened and and comes back in, but still back into the foreigner fold. And I don't know if it's a, if it's, if if it's good or bad for someone to come back in there, have they moved on or are they coming back I said emboldened, but also yeah. maybe re-energized to do something bigger and better. But who knows? Well, we know because yeah. they did something. <laughs> so this next album comes out the same year as Ready or Not, uh, end of the year in December of 87. They're working with a, a producer, Frank Filippetti, who worked with... Frankie. But he works with people like, you know, Carly Simon and, and James Taylor. And he doesn't feel like... I think he produced a Survivor album too, but I don't feel like he's a real rock producer. It seems like... It seems like that's a mistake. This producer's a mistake. And then when you, you pressed play, you realized, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, the album's inside information. only goes platinum. So the sales are... Asian Provocateur, in case I didn't say it, only, only went three times platinum. And you would have thought, just off the success of I Want to Know What Love Is, that that might have sold even more albums. I mean, three million is still great. But uh, let's, uh, let's take a listen to Inside information what do you have for us uh i have a song that in the choruses or sorry in the verses has a horrible horrible snare uh <laughs> snare drum so that's it's hard for me to listen to it but i don't want to live without uh, without you 
very syrupy. all over the place. <laughs> and this song goes to number five. Yeah. I That's mean, undeniable. I do like the song. It's what it's what they are now. And yeah. so I guess they're they're mining that well for all that it is worth, but it's it's so un it's so unforeigner. But but so far I mean because look if you listen to early Aerosmith and you listen yeah. to eighties Aerosmith, yes it's very different. Yeah. But there still was a connection. There, yeah, there, there was, was still a recognition of yes, we've moved on, but we're still the same type of band. There's there's nothing that resembles Foreigner mm-hmm. in this thing other than their you know their biggest their their biggest song, and now just piggybacking on that. So and it's got that whole Enya esque or God, what is it? <laughs> Godfried and what was it? Oh, was Godfried and Cream? Whatever that. Yeah. That's like just the, the low, low weird thing or, or ten cc yeah. thing. Yes. Where it's ten cc? Is that what it is? That one. Yeah. Oh God! And it's just it's. it's I, I look. I love sugar and, and syrup. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's all wonderful. But it's just so dripping with it that you <laughs> there's nowhere to run. You right. just get. I don't know how Lou came back and then allowed some of this to happen, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, the first track is uh, Heart Turns to Stone. slick it's it's way slick and it's Super slick. you know it's it's rick springfield souls it's ozzy yes. uh you know what is it shot in the dark or whatever uh, it's it's you, you've every, heard that you've every heard band that. did it every band did it and they they did it they did it well here but yeah all right you picked uh, your next song you picked another one of the singles yeah one of the singles and and, and also this the, the choice in the songwriting choice um of, of having the chorus start the song off. I'm always yeah. fascinated when people decide that, hey, we're going to come right out of the shoot and we're going to give you the chorus right off the bat. So Have you is, done that on any of your is, own songs? I think a couple of them, and it's, it's by design, mm-hmm. and it, it, can, it can work out. And some of them, it's, it's, uh, 
drums and vocal type of chant but this one it's right off the bat this is what the chorus is this is what you're going to hear when the chorus is and this is how the song starts uh this is say you will Let me take it to, right to the beginning. So here's how it starts. That's how the that's how the song right. starts. Make up your mind tonight. Say you do. Say you don't wanna be mine. What was my next song? Oh, I went with I did the bookend thing again. I took the song that closes out the album. I, this is a, a night to remember. Kind of generic, but I don't hate it. Oops, that's not it. Here we go. but that's okay. Um, that's called Love Machine? It's called, uh, no, <laughs> A Night to Remember. All right, we're going to... Should gonna, have been called Love Machine. All right. We're going to veer off here for three songs. We are, okay. Yes, we're going to go to okay. Lou's second solo album okay. from 1989 called, what's it called? Long Hard Look. Let me see who's on this album. Let me see, make sure I know what I'm talking about. Mm, yeah, Vivian Campbell's on this album. Knows Lofgren's on this album. Yeah. Uh, his brother plays drums. Ben Ben Graham plays drums. But this has some, uh, I, I have like a lot of songs on this one. This is uh, Angel with a Dirty Face. Like that song? Like it. I and like then, it a lot. And then this was the single. This is just between you and me. Yeah. 
What year is this? 1989. Nirvana's coming. I know you're just looking for some Grunge is coming. This went to number six. But that's all right. This is my favorite part. song but this is from mick jones also releases a solo album in 1989 dueling solo albums atlantic's keeping them all in the keeping them all in the family uh his album was just called mick jones this was the single this is not a good album but uh this song is called just want to hold You know, it is what it is. <laughs> Co-written it, it, with Ian Hunter. Really? From What the Hoople. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. You'd think it'd be something a little bit... Well, uh, and the two songs that you played, they're already better than anything that Foreigner has put out over the last couple of albums here from uh, Lou's solo albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's already yeah. showed that while Mick is undeniable in terms of his talent of writing songs, the Foreigner, mm-hmm. the foreigner part of the yeah. output is... <laughs> It's lacking at this point. And that is when we come to 1991. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This. Okay, so Lou Graham's gone. And we get a guy, uh, Johnny Edwards, who I'm not sure. Let me see. I think he sang with Montrose, maybe. Yeah, he was played with Montrose. And then, you know, other band, King Cobra, Wild Horse. You know, nothing that I know. I remember I didn't even know Lou was not in the band because this was no internet or anything. No. I remember seeing the album being so underwhelmed with this cover artwork. And for the first time, they don't use the Foreigner logo. Yeah, it, it looks like the Night Ranger logo. It's, it's terrible. I mean, it, the album's called Unusual Heat, co-produced by Terry Thomas and Mick Jones. Terry Thomas produced all those uh, bad company Albums without Paul Rogers. That's really the only thing I know him from. But um, I remember picking up the album and I turn it over and I'm like, well, who's, that's not Lou Graham. That's not him. And um, and man, it's not. And I got to be honest, well, let's listen to some songs and then we'll talk. What do you got from this album? I might only have one. I mean, I can, I can only have one or none, but I will do uh, Low Down and Dirty. Because that's the single. Because that's the single. Down and dirty. This town 
here's the thing about this album. I try to imagine what this album would be like if Lou Graham sang the songs. And everybody's doing that. Yes, but I don't even think these songs are good. No, I don't. The songs aren't good. I mean, I think Mick needs Lou to write with also from time to time. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. I mean, I would like to hear somebody else sing that song. I would love to have heard David Coverdale do Low Down and Dirt yeah. or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's he would have perfect. a little bit more grit in his voice and personality in his yeah. voice. This and guy's Johnny v- Edwards is, I mean, he's a, from a technical standpoint, wonderful singer. Yeah, but, but there's, it's just, and it's so hard, and it's not his fault. You're coming mm, in for no. Lou Graham and everybody, and this is where, and it's, you know, Foreigner's not the only group to, to do this, where you have such a definitive type of vocal sound yeah. that you say, all right, well, do we go completely the opposite way, yeah. which is you know, the, the Van Halen-esque type of thing to, yeah. to do. And that's, that's all in. You're pushing everything in. Yeah. And this is going to be great, or this is going to And it fail. only worked for Van Halen. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it only worked for Van Halen. Yeah. But everyone points to it. Yes, say. yes. Or you say, well, look, it's, let's get a sound that approximates it, because... Yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll remind people that it's still Foreigner because right. it still kind of sounds like Foreigner and not everybody will see it. And I think that's what they, that's not, not only what they did there, but what they have continued to do. And that's probably the, the more prudent type of yeah. approach. But no matter what, people are going to say, what would it sound like if Lou Graham was singing? And if, this, if these songs were stellar and maybe it was a year earlier, I don't know. But the, it's just nothing works on this album for me, but I did pick a song called Only Heaven Knows. Like, that doesn't sound like Foreigner at all. Sounds like Bad Company. It does sound like Bad Company. I really only like Paul Rogers singing this. I only like the chorus. It's got a little John Wade in it, too, there. Yes. So straight up generic. Did you dial a little inside when I just compared uh, what's his name, Johnny Edwards, to John Wade? <laughs> Wait, I know uh, how much you love John Wade. I do love John Wade. What's not to love? I mean, so weird. John Wade's such a—he's a tentative singer. Like even yeah. when I see him live, like he doesn't—he's not. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of sings to himself a little bit. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's, but you can't because it's John Wade. It's John Wade. That's, it that's, works. That's what he does. Um. Okay. So one more. I got to take one more sidestep. Okay. Uh, in 1991, the same year, Lou Graham, he worked with Vivian Campbell on his last solo album. So they're going to do another album, but Vivian doesn't want to work under something called Lou Graham. Vivian insists that they have a band name. So they record an album called Shadow King and the band's called Shadow King. And it's uh, Bruce Turgan, uh, Kevin Valentine, uh, Lou Graham and Vivian Campbell. And this is a song from Shadow King, self-titled. I think this is produced by Keith Olsen. Okay. And this is uh, What Would It Take?
Have you ever heard that before? No. What do you think of that? It's okay. It's all right. What year was it? 91 also. 91. Okay. So, so none of these albums uh, do anything, but this one is better than Unusual Heat because you got Vivian Campbell and Lou Graham. Yeah. Vivian Campbell. Okay. So here's what happens next, Alexi, because okay. I know you don't have any of these songs. 1992, they do a best of. Okay. Called The Very Best and Beyond. And Lou and Mick get back together and they do three new songs. Okay. So one of them, I think it's a lot of FM play. This is Soul Doctor. You ever heard that before? No, not having it. You don't care for it? <laughs> not having it. No. I, Robin Zander on background vocals. There's there's a strange thing where a lot of these songs and and, and albums, while we were complaining earlier mm-hmm. about the you know the the ballady yeah. heavy synth keyboard, mm-hmm. and yet I feel like they're missing keyboard, not the oversaturation of keyboard, right. but that keyboard that. It was on the first three albums. Yeah, that there, was just there. That was keyboard. cool. That was a part of it. It was but it cool. Didn't overpower anything, and and there's nothing in it. It's just kind of straight ahead. I think you. I think you nailed it. When they originally had keyboards on the first three albums, it was cool and it was an integral part of the band. It wasn't there to be hip or trendy no. or of the day. No. They had keyboards in their band. Yeah, and they had and they had separation of all mm. of the the parts, yeah. and you could you could hear them all, and they were they were integral. They were all part, even though. Yeah, so we, I call that classic foreigner. There you go. <laughs> uh, this next, this, this is an, I'll play, I won't do all three, but I'll do okay. another one. This is Prisoner of Love, and this okay. is again from The Very Best and Beyond. better a little better. better yeah. yeah and it's got that type of traditional keyboard backing I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when lou graham was recording vocals i would have loved to have been in that studio and see yeah. see him doing it because just because of the magnificent voice mm-hmm. that he has yeah. and the power that he just seems a- to out have out of that tiny God, body it's just it's it's amazing i would have loved to see how his whole process of being able of being able to uh, to do that and 
I was reading some articles um, about how at times it was frustrating for Lou Grant because he would do a take vocally and Mick Jones would say, no, that's not good enough. You have to do it better and better and <sighs> better on, and better dude. and better. So however it ended up getting mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the final version, thank God we got it, but I would have loved to have seen that process. Okay, moving on to 1994, we finally get a proper Foreigner album again called Mr. Moonlight, co-produced by Mick Jones, Lou Graham, and Mike Stone. And the band at this point is Mick Jones, Lou Graham, Bruce Turgan, who came from Lou's solo band. Uh, a guy named Jeff Jacobs is playing keyboards and great drummer Mark Schulman on drums. He's been Pink's drummer now for years. He is, he's a killer. I think he didn't get along with Mick because this album was released and he's on the album cover photo. And then it was re-released and they took him out of the photo oh jeez it's out if you i really I'll, have to screw up for that to yeah happen. i'll post it but he's a he's a monster he's wow. a monster on drums and uh so i don't know what happened there but um uh and you know this album you have you picked songs from this yep. album yep and this this starts out with just four killer songs for me in a row and uh i'll let you go first but then one of them i'm gonna play is one uh, oh we both have it Okay, go ahead. You so go. I have the opening track, which okay. is called White Lie. It's another one that actually starts out with the chorus mm-hmm. at the beginning. We won't, we won't hear that, but uh, it's just, it's just a, a cool song. It's just a really well-written, well-written song, and you immediately know what it is, and it can sing to it. I'm going to go even further. This is one of my favorite Foreigner nice. songs. Nice. I love White Lie. saw them on this tour they came to universal amphitheater i was a i just moved out here i was a tour guide so i could i could slip in for sound checks oh really yeah and it was uh here's here this was the this was the show that night lover boy cheap trick and foreigner at the oh, universal amphitheater lucky and it was killer they were all killer but i snuck in specifically to see foreigner uh sound check but lou doesn't do sound check he doesn't <laughs> So afterwards, he, I got mixed. I know his levels. Yeah. He's been doing this long. Enough. I got, uh, I got. Uh, so I had the, I had the uh, Mr. Moonlight CD, which they were shocked at because I had them autograph it. <laughs> Mick Jones is like, where, where? You're the one. Where did you get this? I go, I ordered it as an import. He's like, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, so they signed it. But, it's, uh, it's a great, it, it's a great song. It's actually, it's, it's almost. If a country artist were to do it right mm-hmm. now, I think they would kill yeah. it because that's you know, country is pop anyway nowadays. Yeah, it is. But it's a good song. So uh, I had White Lie, and then okay. I had uh, my song is All I Need to Know. So I walk another mile down this crooked road. Clouds rolling in, Lord, it's getting cold. 
Feeling fine, feel lost, feeling blue tonight But my only friend is Mr. Moonlight And I see you, girl, lost in your book of poems You're in another world, I should leave you alone My heart races on, I try to hold it back But like a runaway train, I'm about to jump the track close us out on uh and then i have some uh, we have some other stuff okay but we have another album coming up okay but i have one more on this one right yes you yes, do. Uh, yeah uh, oh yeah oh my god this is <laughs> i i had to put this because i have no idea what it, what this song is doing on this album or in existence is this a seagull stinkeroo basically I, I don't know if it's a stinkeroo because it's so eccentric and weird and out of place that i i just, I, I don't know if they were joking or whatever anyway this is a song called big dog and in a in a band that features lou graham just recognize what you're about to hear and 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 put it in the context of a band that features lou graham that could possibly sing a song Yeah, that, I, I've probably only ever heard that one time, and then this was the second time. Because right. <laughs> that's an immediate skip. It's, I mean, whoever wrote it, when they slipped that piece of paper over to whoever was coming up with the lyrics. This, what, is, this is a band. What, is right? that a 2% this, if you come up with Big Dog this <laughs> growls is, and then you growl? This was all, all members of the band except the drummer, Graham Jones, <laughs> Jacobs, and Turgan. They know... Don't write together, guys. This is a sound check jam yeah, to make sure that jam. the back line's functioning. And <laughs> this might even this all this feels like because sometimes on a Toto album there'll be like a little jam in the middle that's something like this with no lyrics Intermezzo or something. Type yeah, thing leading you to the next song. Oh my god, I heard this. I was, what is going on here? So yeah. anyway, there's Big Dog. Yeah. When I again when I bought this album, I got it. I couldn't believe it was coming out. I ordered it. It's like an import. It wasn't released in the U.S. yet at the time. But the first four tracks for me, White Lie, Rain, Until the End of Time, and All I Need to Know, are such killers. And then for me, the rest of the album does fall apart. But man, those four songs gave me, I had hope. so much hope. Yeah, hope. I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, oh, all right, well, I have these four songs. So then, well, Lou gets sick. Lou gets sick. He gets a brain tumor. Yep. He has to take, uh, I think it's prednisone, massive weight gain, a guy who was always a runner and in shape. So now he's in this body, which must be, just must be 
really tough, um, uh, you know, mentally sure. as well as physically. Yeah. Can't can't do what you can't, used to be able to yeah. do, and mm-hmm. you know, you're in a and um, you know, they don't kick them out immediately because I saw them on tour with uh, with heavy set. Um, Lou Graham. Oh, really? You saw that? Okay, I yeah. did. They were, they came to the House of Blues. I remember Denny Carmazzi was the drummer. I've seen them with so many wow. different drummers. It was crazy. Well, you said how many were there? Sixteen. There were sixteen, 16 members. members. Yeah. So um, most of those are in the band right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was. He just couldn't. He was. He was fine. You know what I mean? Like I. It wasn't like oh, this is terrible. But it was like I felt. I you just felt bad. Right. You're like he's trying, and he just can't get there. So, you know, eventually, if Mick wants to continue the band, he, you know... And this is still mid-90s, right? So Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's still mid-90s, so they, they, while they certainly have made some money, Mm -hmm. they do have to continue on, and I think they want to continue on, but they're faced with the dilemma that... So they got to part ways. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you go... And then it's a... So they get Kelly Hansen, Mm -hmm. who is... Have you ever seen Foreigner with Kelly Hansen? Not live. Watched plenty of videos of him. He's like, he he He's reminds pro. you of Steven Tyler in his onstage annex. Yep. He is so damn likable. Yeah. Looks good. So, looks good. good. Sounds good. Yep. And he, it's funny. He doesn't, I don't feel like he's trying to sing like Lou. He just can sing just like does. Lou. Yeah. He just does. And so it's the perfect fit for Mick. This guy's 20 years younger than mm-hmm. Mick. And then, uh, and then, then he just pads it out with, you know, a bunch of other great players. It's weird though, because it's not. You go to see it, and it's not foreigner though. You know what I mean? It's, it is. Well, well sometimes there's not a single original member on the stage. Yeah, because sometimes Mick doesn't come out for seven songs. Right. Right. But you know, once again, this goes back to the fact that this wasn't an MTV band, and so right. they could almost get away with it because People don't know. they weren't. Pinups. I know were. people in the audience don't know. Sure, there's a lot of them, um, and it sounds so good. Mm-hmm. And the the, I mean, what people don't at times want to say is maybe even sounds better. Maybe it does. Because these first off, they, they didn't you know, create, they got guys. They yeah. Whether, yeah, you know, Jeff Pilson, Jeff Pilson from Dokken and every, every, you know, everybody else, and it's they know exactly what these I mean, are pros up there yeah, that have he, been. Around. He doesn't surround himself with no. people that can't play and sing. No. And you know, even if he, if he's not on the stage, he's still making money. So from right, a business right. perspective, this is what, yeah. what bands are doing. The band, yeah. especially foreigner mm-hmm. is so much about just the name and the, and the songs behind it. And so does it matter who's singing and playing them? I guess to a certain yeah. period uh, amount of people. But as you said, some people just want to go and see but, a band yeah, sing foreigner songs. And if you f- if you feel that way, then don't then don't go to don't the go. show. But people are going. People uh, are. I saw last time I saw Foreigner. Um, it was Cheap Trick and Foreigner at the Greek Theater, and you know Cheap Trick. It's got they've got three fourths of the original members, and the drummer is Rick Nielsen's son. So that's basically sure. see Cheap Trick. But Foreigner was far and away the headliners because people love Cheap Trick liked cheap trick very much but they loved foreigner mm-hmm. i mean because you know i'm sitting there as cheap trick my favorite band i'm like should the band that doesn't have any original members really be and then they come out and you're like well yeah they're the headliners they're good they yeah. are performing like the headliners perform and yeah they, they certainly have a catalog to pick from yeah song they do after song after song. not the yep. cheap to treat cheap trick doesn't but the but. cheap trick doesn't have the have hits like right. foreigner has right. hits and they, they didn't have crossover hits either you know, no i want to know, I know what, what love is and all that the so. flame a little bit yeah but then they don't always play that because they didn't write it and they... They don't I mean? always play that, really? They don't always play it, no. Jeez. I know. You're, you're only number one. 
<laughs> I know how much you love Cheap Tricks. I'm sure you were. Yeah, I, I mean, I like. I mean, when they, I love the '80s period Cheap Trick. I don't mind when those bands, when Hart and all those bands had to, had to do that in order to sure. keep their careers. It's cool. Some good stuff came out. Some great stuff. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. So, 2009. 15 years between studio albums. Right. There won't ever be another Foreigner studio album, probably because hey. it's been 10 years already. I think Kelly Hansen said they'll just do singles and put sure. them on iTunes. But this album was called Can't Slow Down, and I uh, actually think it's a pretty good, decent album. I do too. So do what too. do you got for us? What's your first song? My first song is a song called Give Me a Sign, and it reminds me of, uh, it's got a little Hanson Where's the Love in it. It's got a little uh, John Mellencamp, uh, When Jesus Left Birmingham, if you listen to the, the verses and the chorus. I don't know how much we're going to listen to over here, but uh, it's a, I think it's just a good song. Okay, here we go. Give me a sign. There's one thing missing in my life You and I know we need a change Gotta try, gotta get it right this time And this love could be good again I will give you what I can To show you I'm your man It would mean the world to me tell you a, a Kelly Hansen story. Oh. I, I worked on a, an ABC show called uh, Greatest Hits because my friend David Wilde got me that job. So mm -hmm. thank you again, David Wilde. Uh, and they had all these classic artists coming and performing with um, with uh, current artists. So I think I think Foreigner was singing a song with um, with uh, a kid named Nate Roos, who's uh, what's his band called? I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, when they come to re rehearsal that day, uh, Kelly Hansen was uh was like totally like in charge like he he had his he had his uh, monitors in right. and he would he was saying stuff like I'm like what is he he's like he's like could I get a mo little more high end in the back he was like calling the sh and everyone was do and he, he wasn't a dick about it he was super professional and they sounded amazing and I'm like oh okay mix kind of even handed off a little bit of this stuff and Kelly's you know taking taking point on some things that Mick might not want to care to do anymore well you mentioned i mean he is a pro and the, yeah. the control that he has of his voice mm -hmm. is is amazing and when you see him live and once again a lot of times he's singing somebody else's parts and yeah. somebody else's songs and yet yep. it, he he it is it is a the ultimate instrument that he yeah. is mastered and which is gives him the ability to do it mm -hmm. night after night after night so and, and it's wonderful but yeah. it's for some people it's almost too perfect yeah, it's, <laughs> in a strange it's very way. strange yeah. um also there's a i think there's a video on youtube you can find it's an interview of kelly hansen and lou graham together oh really very respectful very i mean kelly like gives lou all sure. the props yeah, like, yeah, that, you see that in that yeah. group there there is a real homage and a, and a recognizing that this is yeah. a, a legacy that they have been entrusted yeah. with and they've that, they've done shows recently where all the members have of all as many past members as sure. they can get, come back and, and perform together. And Lou's good, but again, he can't. He's not going to do it every single night. No, he for can't do it two with, hours. No, he can't. Yeah. But uh, here's the title track from this album. This is called "Can't Slow Down." Feel the 
I remember buying this album and throwing it in the, you know, in the car stereo. And I was like, wow, pretty great. It hits these that guys, chorus. These I guys love did that it. chorus. Oh, it's so good. Should be noted that, um, Mick Jones's, uh, Mick Jones's stepson, Mark Ronson was co-producer on this. And Mark has produced oh, right, a yeah. few people you guys know, uh, <laughs> you might know Amy Winehouse or Adele or Christina Aguilara, or Miley Cyrus, or Lady Gaga, Paul McCartney, Queens of the Stone Age, and uh, also Marty Fredrickson was a co-producer on this. So, I mean, they did pull out contemporary artists to help get that foreigner sound back, and um, I I recommend this album. I do. It's uh, Speaking of that that foreigner sound, my my next one has a guitar solo, and Mm -hmm. I've already made my feelings about guitar solos, but because of that period where I think Mick Jones went away from really kind of doing some mm-hmm. interesting things from a guitar sound perspective. I, I just like this solo. I like, it's got a, speaking of homages, it's a real queen type of flair here on the song Too Late. And I will tell you something about this song. Jason Bonham plays drums on this nice. song. And this was, uh, this was originally really, it was first released on another Greatest Hits album. And this was your first introduction to Kelly Hansen on a on a foreigner song and then they put it on this album too but yeah this this really sounds has that foreigner vibe for sure ask you a question let's say in a year or two years or whenever it is mick jones decides that he is retiring Mm -hmm. do the guys in foreigner right now are they able to continue to tour as foreigner sure and he's fine with it because he'll make money because he'll make money yeah do they just call it foreigner do they call it you call foreigner. it foreigner. They don't call it foreigner 2.0 no. or anything, any BS. No, you call it you call it foreigner, and you're playing the songs of foreigner. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest. Um, uh, listen, uh, Jason Bonham. I know at one point left in order to go play with Zeppelin for mm-hmm. a, a little bit, and, yeah. and but that was just a, a momentary type of thing. Yeah. I don't think any of them can go to a gig right now that is as consistent. As foreigner. And as lucrative, let's be mm. honest, as, as foreigners. And so, get that feedback from the audience. And get that feedback audience. each and every day. So it's, it's a guaranteed paycheck. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not traveling you know, in a van or anything like yeah, that, you right. know, because of the places that you're playing and the amount of people yeah. that you're, you're playing. You're playing songs every night that people know, every single song. So you're getting that, yep. that feedback. And yes, they're not yours, but you are this, this caretaker. So I, I definitely think they can go along. I mean, it's what... It's what Kiss wants to do at some point, right? Well, they, I don't know if, if they'll a, be able if to. If there's a buck in it, they'll <laughs> make it happen. Uh, but but it, you know, this is a conversation that we've had where they've established these brands. Mm-hmm. And if the, if the brands are so uh, connected to the actual people, yeah. then it's hard for that brand to continue. But yes, we've, we just spent a podcast talking about how important McJones is and, and right, the right, brand right. is. But once again, the visual part of it 
as long as it's being done and yeah. done well, I think people will I mean, go. Queen is selling out everywhere and there's right. no, there's not a, I can't think of a band that was more recognizable by their lead singer. Sure. But if Queen didn't have Brian May. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's a big part. That's a, that's a hard, that's a harder type of sell. Yeah. Queen without Brian May. So if Freddie was still alive mm-hmm. and Brian had passed, you don't think Queen could still? Yes. I think that they could go out with, with Freddie, even more so than what they're doing now. Yeah. I think they could, it would still be, as Freddie was that big of a personality. Yes. Um, and that's not to downplay what Brian May did, but right. somebody else would be approximating it. Yeah. And, and it would, just that spotlight that was kind of back and forth between those two mm-hmm. would now be on, in the same way that, you know, David Lee Roth still goes out. I mean, he's doing a, a Vegas residency a Vegas now residency. And, all, and all that. So, my, 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 the craziest thing for me, and I've probably said this to you before. I've said it on here. I know I have. Uh, David Lee Roth, his entire life has kept his body in tip-top shape. It's amazing. And the thing that makes him money, he's pissed that away, it seems. He hasn't done anything to keep that voice. Uh, it's, it, you know what drives me crazy is that when we see some of these aging vocalists, a lot of times the problems are that they can't hit the note in terms of going up. Like a Coverdale. What, what, what drives me nuts with David Lee Roth is that he's so freeform that he goes higher than the actual note. And I, I, if you can do that, then just sing the damn song. Just sing okay. it. It drives me crazy. Yeah. And he's, he's of the age where he's not doing splits in the air and all that no. craziness. So just sing. Just, just try sing. to sing. Yeah. Do the best singing job you can do. You know, he's been that, that showman for so long that I, I think he feels that he has, he to, has to do, do it. it. And, yeah. Even if it looks foolish sometimes yeah. at this age. Yeah, that's true. Act uh, your age, Dave. <laughs> my uh, my, my next age. Song, Come on, give me my a break. next song off of um, "Can't Slow Down" is a song called "In Pieces." The difference between this and Unusual Heat is you can imagine these songs being sung by Lou Grant. Well, they, it's yep. Foreigner. It sounds like Foreigner. That's, that's a great the song, difference. by the way. That in pieces. Gosh. That's, yeah, I love that's that so, I love when, when a band that you don't, you've just come not to expect either anything new or anything 2009. good. 2009. I know. Uh, uh, Boy did that in, I think it was 2007 or whatever. They had an album called... Uh, just getting started, which it, was a uh, great. Album. I think it's their best album. Oh my God, every you, single song. You, you, people you, laugh when I say no, that. It's so good. I mean, it's I'm so, so glad. I'm so glad you say that because I, I sometimes you put these in. And I, you're think not a, I think we're doing a. I think we're doing a Loverboy episode next. Yes, we are. That's a that's a tiny catalog, but it's a it's great. Oh, There's so much good stuff. So okay. much good stuff. That's not even a tease. That's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Um, okay. But yeah, and then we'll close out with with uh, with. Um, 
just getting started. It's such a great album. So it's such a short album so, too, but it's I couldn't believe I remember song. listening going God, this is this is so good, and yet yeah. I know nobody's going to hear this no. because of the time and just the reality. Someone <laughs> gave it to me, and they're like, "Look, I know you're going to laugh. I know you're not going to think that this is." I'm listening, and I did, and I was like, "This is ridiculous, so good." Uh, Foreigner did release two more uh, singles in 2011. They released a song called "Save Me." Let's hear this one with Kelly Hansen. Somewhere along the way, we lost each other. Somewhere. that before Mm -mm. what do you think of that i like it and then here's the last one from 2017 this was a online single only called the flame still burns this is the last lover boy song that has been recorded the last foreigner song what did i say lover boy yeah i got got lover boy on the mind all right last foreigner song that i know of 2017 the flame still burns live a life that's not real where all that i feel has no meaning Like an ever spinning wheel Full of wounds that won't heal Deep inside me But my mind Still holds some sweet memories When love kept us free from temptation But now's the time Forget the pain and the cost Of all that was lost in translation And the flame still burns It's there in my soul Forever I know And the flame still burns So that's when you bring the stools to the front of the stage, you take a seat. But it's so interesting because... I don't think that we, in, in the songs that we picked, none of them were acoustic-based no, in any way. No, and that's, nothing. And that's interesting because they went through that whole period where mm-hmm. everybody kind of had an acoustic song. Yeah. And I know they've done acoustic versions of songs, but Foreigner, throughout their catalog, never was really, never did, no, really, never did it. Never really did any of. acoustic type of song. I mean, interesting. There you go. And that's it. That's it. We covered it. Oh, my 40 goodness. years of Foreigner. Wow. Wow. Here's to another 40. We will... Uh, we will play out, of course, that our play out song will be Cold as Ice. Ah, yes. Right? Yes. It's got to be. It's got to be. Um, l- tell us about Alexi Laws. Tell us where we can find your podcast. Tell us where we can find you online. Tell us where we can buy your new CD. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to the music, uh, new CD, the uh, latest CD out, uh, look at you. You can get it on all the different platforms out there, whether you're buying it from Amazon or whether you're streaming it from Amazon or, or Spotify or 
uh, or Apple or anything like that. It's all the traditional uh, platforms and the non-traditional platforms out there that you can get it. And there'll be more in the future for all three of those people that, uh, that listen to it. <laughs> State of the Union uh, podcast each and every week. Uh, you can uh, find that. Uh, I do it for, for Fox. I continue to work for Fox uh, Sports and have a wonderful time doing that. You can find me on Twitter at Alexi Lalas, um, Instagram at Alexi underscore Lalas. I think someone's squatting on my name there, over there at Instagram. Jerks. I know, jerks and stuff like that. So you can scream and yell at me about uh, music or soccer or anything else if you if you like, get in line. And I like when you're on the plane and you say, uh, hey, I'll take some questions. I do that a lot, yes. And then people, uh, it's, I never have a good enough Wi-Fi connection on a plane. Really? Like, what are you doing up there? What do you got? Come First on, class? I, I know, maybe I'm... Clicking, you're on the Fox Dime first the, class. Yeah, exactly. I'm clicking on that button that enables, <laughs> that enables me to do it. I like, you know, I know that you're you're active on Twitter, and I know Twitter. Oh yeah, I'm yelling at the wind on Twitter all the time. <laughs> it, my personal account, I'm yelling in the wind, and then my the Rock Solid account, I, I, it's only music. But <laughs> it's a fun uh, video game, and it has its good and, and its yeah. bad. But yes. know, I enjoy I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy the um, the debate. I enjoy the. Um, I guess it would be the fight, for lack of a better word, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that happens out there. Yeah. But, but it's all in, in, in good fun. I want everybody to have a good time yeah. and enjoy themselves. And we can agree to disagree on a lot of things in life. But uh, And uh, last week, uh, I was, when I was up in San Francisco, my friend didn't have, uh, he didn't have cable, and I wanted to watch the debates. So I went to Twitter, and they carried the debates yeah. live oh, on yeah. Twitter, so I could watch it right there. You can watch I didn't have to download some no. app or something. I'm like, here it is. Well, yeah, so I mean, that was, so that what, was what, a, cool. what a broadcast platform is nowadays <laughs> is completely changing. Yeah, and who so knows for, what it for is. For our kids, it'll be something completely different. Oh, it's, so. uh, when they, it, they're all Spotify now. They don't know from <sighs> CDs or what... I mean, they know what it is, but that's not how they... That's, choose to listen they, to their they music. They laugh at it. They, they, I know. You know. It's just playlists and boom. If it, yeah. if it, They're like, why? you could just make a playlist of that music. Now I go, no, I'm holding it right in my hand. Why would I make a playlist? <laughs> you don't know the importance <laughs> of a mixtape. Yes. How it can change your life. <laughs> all right. We uh, thank you for being here no, again. Thank always you. fun. All, and I'm looking forward to Loverboy. And if you're around, maybe we can do that with before the end of the year because it's been a long yeah. time since you were here. I love but it. I know you're busy. No, I love it. And, and what you're doing, and, and I'm, I don't want to speak for all of your listeners out there, but uh, each and every week I, I enjoy uh, and thank you for, for doing what you're doing. I know it's a labor of love. It uh, is a labor of love. And that's, and, but that's good. It, it yeah. comes through. It, your, your love of the music. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it comes through. And we, unfortunately, we, we have people out there like that, but to have this type of platform where we can actually hear you on a week-to-week -week basis, yeah. someone that loves music as much and in many cases more than, than we do that are listening to more, it. More than I should. On behalf of everybody out there, thank you for everything wow. that you do. That's very nice. And, I, and I, again, I, I love meeting people. I love... I love meeting you. I love hanging out with you. I love, I have listeners coming in in two weeks that we're going to be recording episodes. We're going to be recording it. We're going to do a Warren Zevon episode. Oh, wow. Really? With uh, Kevin Hartbarger, who did the uh, uh, Beach Boys episode. How do you come me. up with the, with the topics? You just riff? If a listener comes in, they can, they tell me what okay. they want to do. All right. That's why sometimes I, I don't know a lot about, like, for example, uh, they might be giants. I didn't know a lot about them, but so, I will do the homework and I won't crap on whatever but you'll lean on topic. them for the most part i'll lean on them yeah sometimes it's good when you when you don't when you're coming to it you from a different from yeah, it, yeah. You, can, you can you can be exposed to something yep. you didn't know and you I can mean, ask questions that other people would would have or when, wouldn't when have. we when we did the beach boys episode i know all the beach boys hits but i listened to i don't know how many albums they have they have like 37 albums i'd listen to all of those in preparation and pick the songs from each album 
Now, do you? I know you have your digital library, yeah. but you also have your hard library too, right? Is, yes. that, is that in the rock room or what do you call it's it? It's in the rock room. It's yeah. a, it's That's a, where it is. It's yeah. a, does the rock room need to expand? Are we, what, I mean, are we, um, are we bursting at the seams? No, we, it's, it's fine. I don't want to expand. I just, you know what I mean? I've been buying a lot of CDs lately though because I go, I go to these places where the CDs are like a buck and I'm like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I buy this Nick Lowe album from 2001 if I don't have it and it's a dollar? Okay, but <laughs> but and, see, here's the thing. Sometimes I'll load that into my iTunes, and then I'll give it away. Or like, there's some stuff I don't need to own. I don't need to ev- own everything physically. Well, how do you differentiate? What mm, what do you need to own? Do you need to? Well, own? like I'm a completist, so if I had, if I have all the Meatloaf albums, I'm gonna have all the Meatloaf albums. I'm not gonna have just nine of the ten. I know, but why wouldn't you have all of them, but in digital form? Why do you have to keep the hard copies of all of everything? Well, now we're getting into a weird thing, and I don't know really what the answer is to that. Okay, but it's all preference. But, but it's not. It's not. You're not an audiophile in that you feel that it sounds better from CD, is it? Um, well, no. I like. I'm still an album guy, so I like to grab an album and put it in the car. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? And that doesn't answer your question at all. No, you you, you know that you can listen to an album digitally too, right? I do know that. (laughs) You could actually have a million albums in your car. Look, two of my friends just bought brand new cars and told me that there's no CD player in cars anymore. There there is definitely not a CD. I'm just like, well, that's... Do you have a CD player in your car? Yeah, our cars, uh, we have a Prius. It's like, uh, I think, three years old right now. So So yeah, we still... You're right on the cuffs though. The next one you get, that's... But there's still got to be like an audio place where they can put a CD player in. If yeah, I, you can I do the jack, you know, the, the 16th inch uh, jack in there. Yeah, you can do that if you want to go old school. But No, I mean, like, you know, these uh, places that put car stereos on. Oh, you want to actually go get one installed. When we get our next new car, if it doesn't have a CD player in it, I got to have a CD player put in there. No, no, you don't. I feel like I do. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. How are you don't. listening to music in your car? Just digitally? Just, just uh, all digitally. Bluetoothing yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember spending a week and ripping mm-hmm. my entire collection. Oh, that takes so long. Oh, I know it takes long, it's, but... but No, I've done it. It's incredibly yeah. cathartic when you start to throw out those... You threw them out? Well, I sold them. I had, okay. a, I had a garage sale, and someone I came up. Of, someone like you walked up and, and said, and said I will take them. I'll take them all. Kit and caboodle. Bring it all in. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like my... Like, let's say my let's say I lost my mu- my digital music. I feel like those physical copies are like are like my safe copy. It's my hard copy. I guess. Success hasn't spoiled me yet. This is my safe copy of that album. Well, I mean, that's different. If you're talking Rick, I mean, you definitely should have as many different copies in as many different formats as possible. Do you not have any physical media at your house anymore? Not anymore. Not anymore. Mm -mm. Did you have a ton of it beforehand? Oh, my God, yeah. It was... Thousands? Yeah. All right. But now it's all in the palm of my hand. Yeah, I know. Why... you, you, You feel like you're giving something up. It's okay. No, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I, look, I'm not here to judge you or, no, or to I know. I wish I had an answer you. for no, you. No, you don't have an answer. It's I have. I have. I have sold CDs on eBay because right. I'll, I'll I'll go like, oh, I didn't even know I had this, and I'll look on eBay. I'm like, people pay a hundred bucks for that. Well, I'll take a hundred dollars. Okay, but if you sold your collection, what are you what are you at now? Do you know number wise? Mm, I don't know. We're we talking in the thousands. Not in the thousands. Maybe eight hundred to a thousand. Okay. No, it's not crazy. Okay. But if you if you sold them and then walked into your rock room, it would you would feel like you something was lost, right? You know, once you have kids, you're willing to give up a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, so this is the this is the hill you're dying on. Then this is the one thing you're not going to give up. Then, yeah, I don't think I'm going to give up. The, like I have so many action figures in my garage that I've been slowly listing on eBay and selling. No, I've I've accumulated. They've been in the garage for ten years since we moved to the new house, and I'm like, what are these doing in here? 
I, I don't know. That's the question. What are they doing in there? They're just living in a in a big bin. I know, but are you selling them? Or are you I'm saving selling, them for I, something? No, or? I'm selling them now. Oh, you are selling them. Yeah, I'm selling the action figures now. Well, then why don't you sell the CDs with them? Somebody like you is going to come keep... in and buy all of your 800 CDs, and your life is going to wanna, change, wanna, I'm wanna, telling you I right wanna, now. I want to keep one collection of some sort. So it's the music is my collection, I guess. I got, no, I, you, you don't want to give it up. I understand. Your wife understands this and is supportive of this? Well, she knew how it was when, when we met. <laughs> this so was part of the deal, huh? She's, she's, uh, yeah. she's, she doesn't she's have supportive. any CDs. Does she have CDs? No. She doesn't? No, 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 no. I'm recording with her this weekend too, though. Does she, but she has hard copies of scripts, right? Do they? Oh yeah, do they she, do digital forms yeah. of scripts or anything like that. Um, no, she. It's all well. No, they'll, they'll send it to her, and she can read it on her iPad. And so she, it's not in the Manila envelope, old school, where they. It's used not to old bring school the, anymore. Okay. No, no, because that. So even that's she's so moved on. Then she's moved on right? too. Yeah, she's she's saving trees. Yeah, you should be saving. Because on her iPad, and, she has this pen, and she can give notes yes, right in the she script. Does. Yeah, uh-huh. so she knows what she's doing. It's amazing. It's I just amazing. can't do it. You, all right. Uh, Next, you're going to tell me to get rid of my Blu-ray collection. No, I, you have Blu-ray too. <laughs> <laughs> they still do that. Yeah. Do you have a Blu-ray machine too? Many. You put them. They put the thing in, and then the yes. bl- <laughs> shut up. You I really? Do. Do. <laughs> I'm not, I'll take a picture and text it to you later today. My my wall of uh, Blu-rays. Oh, All right. My goodness. <laughs> we are at Rock Solid Show. I am at Pat underscore Francis. Kyle is at Kyle Dotson Funny. Uh, go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things Rock Solid t-shirts, the Patreon page. Uh, with this episode, I'll be giving away Foreigner CDs. I mean, I'm sorry, Foreigner Blu-rays. And then in a couple of weeks, I'll give away these uh, CDs of Alexis that he brought to us. And you'll sign those before yep, you Yep, I will. Yep. And the album is called Look at You 2019. If you can't wait to win one, then go on uh, Amazon and all the places and download it for free, not Napster. No, take it. It's Not right. like Midnight Blue. I give you permission. Pay money. Do what you got to do. All right. Thanks again, Alexi. Thank you. <laughs> Cold as ice.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.